Welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast. My name is Dan, and I'm joined here by my two co-hosts, Ed. Hey guys, how's it going? Let's talk some Star Wars. And Noma. Hey guys, this is Noma. I am ready to talk some Star Wars. Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Can't complain too much. I too am good to go. The podcast that we are creating here um, is going to focus mainly on Star Wars canon. Uh, This includes uh, summarizing story as well as how how that story relates to Star Wars Legends um, and canon material that's out now and what possibly might relate to in the future. Um, I'm not too much of a theory crafter, uh, but... I know some people are a little interested in that kind of stuff, and it'll be fun to see uh, some fan feedback and, and see where they think um, some of the story elements may go or where they've come from originally. The last thing in uh, what, are, what we're going to be about is making sure that we have a set timeline of the canon material so we know what happens when and before what and after what, just so we have a sense of where certain characters might be at the time of a certain event happening or a certain plot point happening. So that's pretty much what uh, the Star Wars canon portion of our podcast is going to be about. But we will be talking also about uh, new releases and news that's happening in the Star Wars world. Uh, so video games such as Battlefront 2, the new upcoming Fallen Order game that was uh, leaked, not leaked, teased, I guess, over at the EA Play conference as well as TV shows such as uh, the Clone Wars that was just released for Season 7, Rebels that has passed and uh, had a finale, Resistance, which is the uh, new 2D animated series from Lucasfilm, as well as Forces of Destiny, which is a YouTube short. So other things that we'll be talking about are comics. We'll stick to a lot of the new releases and cover a lot of that stuff, as well as Jumping into deep review of complete completed series later later on, so we'll probably be covering Volume One of Star Wars, which is the Skywalker Strikes uh, storyline in the Star Wars comics, and that will be one of our first comics that we'll be covering as a volume, just to kind of catch up from the old stuff to the new stuff. The other things that we'll be covering are books, movies, some general news such as events like uh, San Diego Comic-Con, Star Wars Celebration, when that comes out in April, as well as fandom things like, you know, the things that are happening about actors in the community, that kind of stuff. Uh, Rumors, I'm not too sure what we'll be doing with rumors, since they are only rumors after all. Um, But we'll we'll see where where they're going. And the last thing that we can think of at the moment is going to be board games and miniatures, and that's an expertise of Nomas. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll butt in for a second. Yeah, I am basically the resident, uh, what would you call it? The resident nerd, I guess. Well, I mean, if you're into Star Wars, you're kind of a nerd, but uh, the <laughs> resident nerd into the hardcore stuff. So I play uh, X-Wing and Armada. Um, I run a couple of, of the RPGs that uh, Fantasy Flight puts out, like uh, Edge of the Empire, Force and Destiny, and I also play the card game uh, that was released, Star Wars uh, Force and Destiny. So as long as there's an interest in it, if people are interested in hearing what some of the the metas or you know some of the new releases and stuff like that are, then I'll 
keep looking into it. I'll keep playing the game. Well, you can't stop me from playing the game. So that's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll add that in and, and see how well it goes. Yeah. All right. So I guess we can talk about who we are. Eddie, do you want to start us off? I mean, of course. I mean, who we are. Well, who are we? We're a bunch of guys who like Star Wars. Yes. Yes, that's for sure. Very much. Uh, but there's more to us than that, I think. There's more to us than MCI for sure. Um, you meet, meet, meet the ear, Eddie. Me, well, me see, I can't see us. Ear. It's a podcast. Are we Transformers podcast now? Trust me, they can see the voice. It's the voice of the Force. They can see it. Actually, <laughs> right, guys? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But uh, myself, you know, I like to think of myself as a bit of a Star Wars historian. That comes from, you remember Danny talking about, you know, what we've read, what we've seen. There's a few... There's a few Legends books that I can never really let go of, no matter what Disney says. That's <laughs> just that's just something that'll stick with me forever. But uh, you know, I'd have to say, out of all of that, I definitely, if she was, if she was, well, Natalie Portman, if you knew this, I would marry you in a heartbeat. I love you. <laughs> Padme's amazing. She best girl ever, undisputable. But uh, Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm one of those people that enjoys the prequels um, Ooh, except, I'm fighting words. except for episode two there's portions of episode two that i'm not too much of a fan of um but most of it i i love star wars i've i've watched star wars since i was a kid i remember way back when uh, episode four five and six were the only movies that were out i was what six or, or younger at the time and i had the special edition vhs's of episodes four, five, and six, and that's the gold set of the VHSs, which included some like CG renderings of like Jabba and, and things like that. And um, I, I remember a distinct memory from from way back is having a small TV, like a 13-inch tube TV, in my in my bedroom, hooked up with a VHS player, and watching Star Wars every night before going to bed, and in the morning having that blue screen telling you that the VHS is over and you need to rewind it. Uh, oh, falling asleep to the movie like part way through uh that was that, that was just like the kind of the initial like love that i i started to build with star wars was watching it all the time and just immersing myself in the universe as a kid and i remember how, when episode one came out that was everything to me i how many people how many people listening to this are gonna have no idea what you mean right when you talk episode, about vhs is running out betamax oh. anybody no <laughs> yeah right the the uh, the VHSs they're they're all gone now. There's no one left. <laughs> but uh, the the thing that I, I I loved as a kid was Episode One, and a lot of people gave they gave hate towards Jar Jar Binks as a character. Oh, here we go. You're you know? gonna go. Oh, you no. But but I, I as a kid, I was seven years old when that movie was released, and I loved every moment of that movie, Jar Jar included. It never occurred to me that I I, I should hate Jar Jar or not like him. He was perfect comedy for me as a kid but i i just enjoyed his comedy and like the slapstick a little bit of jar jar but that that's halloween of that year that's what you felt at the dark side you dressed up as him for halloween didn't you i no no i didn't but i did oh, okay. dress up as anakin skywalker so i had anakin's pod racer mask you know like the halloween mask that you wear with like a string behind it to put on your face yeah and uh i wore what was it for the for the for the body? I wore like the sand garb that he wore on Tatooine, so it was basically just like gauze all over my body. <laughs> <laughs> and I had Qui Gon Jinn's foam lightsaber. 
as well as Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, Padawan braid oh, behind man. my ear. You, were, was, you, was like you went all piece. out. I did. That was my costume. I, I have a picture of it too. So that's, I think that's... I think that's fair though. You you dressed up as the coolest point that Anakin was at in that movie. The pod racing. It's the, po- it's the pod race, and then it's spinning is cool, and then it's just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's no. a good trick. Or sorry, I'll try spinning. That's a neat trick. That's a neat dude. trick. That's a neat trick. But yeah, no, <laughs> that's basically like my origins of Star Wars, and I I, I stopped listening and watching and immersing myself in the star wars universe when i got into high school for some reason I just i just stopped listening and watching and, and doing all this stuff with star wars and then i got back into it in like second year university and i, I just haven't stopped honestly i got into the, Cl- the clone wars tv series got me back into it and i was so excited to see where it was going seeing all the things that happened in star wars clone wars um and some <laughs> I, it's so hard to, to pin down my favorite star wars movie but what I've written down here on in the show notes is episode six, episode one, Rogue One, and Solo. I don't know what order those are in. I I believe episode Wait, one what? is yeah yeah yes. <laughs> I, it's very controversial, but I I just enjoy those movies like hundred percent. Episode six I could watch over and over and over again. Episode one I have watched over and over and over again. Rogue <laughs> One is just that you know that new energy of Star Wars and the new era of star wars and this in the the um the star wars story uh line and solo i don't know like people there's a lot of mixed reviews about solo but for myself i loved solo i wasn't expecting a lot out of it and i think that's why i enjoyed it so much um i i I didn't expect the acting to be top par but it was for me i got what i wanted out of it and just a couple points quick favorite characters boba fett for sure 100 percent number one favorite character Kanan from Rebels, another favorite of mine. Anyone that's read any of the Aftermath books in the new canon, Mr. Bones. Yeah, I gotta get on those. You will know who Mr. Bone is. Mr. Bones. Oh, yeah, Mr. Bones. And uh, from Legends, uh, Darth Talon, the uh, Twi'lek, female Twi'lek uh, Darth. Uh, from, so, uh, from Legacy, right? Yeah, yeah. With uh, great grandson of Luke or something like that as well. I can't remember. Or yeah, grandson of Luke. Brand, grandson of Luke. Grandson yeah. of Luke, okay. Oh, and uh, Noma. Yeah, uh, on to me. Uh, so, where to start? So, I guess going off of favorite movies like Dan was talking about, um, for me, the big thing in Star Wars, the thing I remember hooking me immediately was the first time watching Episode Four and watching that Death Star attack run. I mean, everything else, you know, I was like, oh, this is a cool world. I really like where this is going. You know, Luke's a... a bit whiny but he's a good protagonist and then that death star trench run i remember being four years old at my aunt's house watching it on a very very small crtv and just watching that that last 10 or so minutes over and over again so the space battles in star wars are what will always get me hooked so my favorite movie is still episode six for that fight scene over the death star 2 love that to pieces um after that, it would probably be Rogue One because that fight, that space fight is just beautiful. Plus, you get to see, you know, one tiny ship absolutely decimate two Star Destroyers. Um, then probably Episode 4. Um, and then I'm not too sure after that. Episode 3 has a space battle that doesn't really count because we get to see two Starfighters and that's it. Yeah, that's, um, that's, so, that's just a run 
yeah, it's just an opening, so I, I don't count that. Um, but the the one thing that's that's kind of cool about me, and the one thing that that I've been enjoying for the last couple of years is that I work in uh, VFX, and specifically the VFX that I work in is. Can, uh, can you describe uh, the acronym VFX, just in case someone doesn't know? Oh yeah, uh, sure. Video effects. So it it is a, a very very wide range of topics, uh, or topics? No, jobs. Uh, anything from making explosions to making full things. I, I know uh, a few people who work at the studio that makes the dragons in Game of Thrones, for instance. So that's also BFX. Mm-hmm. That, that's a really neat one. So the company that I work for, we actually take 2D movie footage and turn it into 3D movies. So we'll, we'll get the footage in. And I, I can't go too much into the process, but you know, we get the footage, movie magic, comes out in 3D. So I've been lucky enough uh, and very, very happy to have been able to actually work on uh, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, and Solo so far. So if you saw any of those movies in 3D, you were able to see some of my work in that. And that's something I'm always, I'm always very, very kind of lucky and happy to have been able to say, you know, I got to put my name on Star Wars. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, just also, I guess, finishing off the list, same thing as Dan was doing, the character design that I love the most in Star Wars are the Mandalorians. So, I mean, you know, Boba man. Fett. Oh, yeah. The, just the look of that. So, Boba Fett, Jango Fett, Sabine, all those people. I've always loved those characters. And thankfully, as well, uh, all those characters do get very fleshed out, are very good. The easiest way to see that is Sabine and Rebels. You can see her big journey. And I, I know a lot of people in the beginning were calling her a Mary Sue. You know, she's perfect at everything, blah, blah, blah. But I think she's a, a nicely, I wouldn't say like immensely nuanced, but she's a nicely nuanced character. You know, you get to see a lot of growth and she has her failures and you get to see her kind of rise and realize that at certain points that she's not cut out for certain things. And I think that's really important. And then even with uh, Boba Fett, I've been reading up on Boba Fett since episode six to in Legacy. Um, into the Yuuzhan Vong Wars, when he, he gets his yeah, he's in yes, the fourth. he is yeah. I've, it's it's a small chunk, but it is a very very cool chunk. And okay. then even after that, with his whole weird kind of life with his daughter and his legacy beyond that, and all that stuff. And even Jango Fett, where you get his upbringing on Concord Dawn and all that kind of stuff. How he becomes the the ban, bounty hunter, and if you if you read Legends, how he becomes Mandalore. Um, and that's, you know, that's always a, it's a whole culture and everything that I've always really been into. So I think yeah, that's the one that, thing that we, we all three agree on heavily is that the Mandalorians are a very interesting like species and race. Oh, yeah. And we all really do enjoy their character design and like culture and things like that. Mm-hmm. I believe that's something that we all share together. Yeah. If, and and if I had to get a tattoo, man, oh, oh yeah, Mythosaur <laughs> right on my shoulder right there. Oh yeah. And uh, do you have any favorite characters, Noma, apart from Boba Fett and Sabine? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was going to say, other than that, um, the two that come to mind often, I'm one of those guys who usually enjoys villains more than heroes. Uh, in, you know, Sabine's case, because of the Mandalorians. I mean, you know, actually all the Rebels. I like all the, the cast of Rebels quite a lot. But in terms of villains, the ones that will always stick with me are, I mean, everyone, everyone who's read Legends loves Grand Admiral Thrawn. I'm up there with them. Oh, for such sure. a such a Absolutely. great way. Oh yeah, such a great way to introduce a, an interesting, smart, 
but dangerous. slightly dangerous, very dangerous, slight, very slightly flawed character who had to overcome so much adversity to get where he is. And it's very interesting to see him as an alien in, in Legends, at least, in an Imperial society that hates aliens. Um, so he's always been a favorite. And then just, just for the humor, just for how different he was from any other droid that had come before him. If you've played Knights of the Old Republic, HK-47, he's, uh, he's, yeah. he is you 100. Bags? He is, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh. He is 100% <laughs> of the reason why I did dark playthroughs in KOTOR 1 and 2. He's the only reason. No other character made me be like, oh, they're really cool. I want to see them evil. No, most of them are kind of boring evil, honestly. Awesome. Eddie, did you want to add anything to uh, your profile? I guess for the for the well, listeners. You know what? I mean, Padme is always enough, but <laughs> but let's be real. Uh, just like Noma, villains, you know, they always just have more interesting paths to wherever they get to. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, the book that gave me my favorite next to Darth Vader uh, would be the Darth Bane series, The Path of Destruction. Oh, that yeah. once you reading about him and seeing what he had to go through as well, and just you know, the power he got, the smarts he had to put through, everything he put himself through, it was just, it makes, it always makes the dark side seem way more interesting. And oh, always yeah. be, they have cookies, it is more interesting. <laughs> but, um, no, honestly, like, that that book just made me want to look up more. And from the time it was that, I went back into the Legends up, like, the Yuzhen Vong War, uh, a lot of different things. It was... That Darth Bane book really kicked off a lot of reading for me that I hadn't taken too seriously from before. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, definitely, definitely one of the reasons why it was always like, yep, Empire, Seth, yep, always, yep. Oh, yeah. Just and, way and, more interesting for that. And one thing I'd add, just to jump in for a second, if you're in, if you're interested in that Darth Bane, the, one of the, or you're like, oh, maybe that would be interesting to read. The thing that got me into it when I'd heard about it um, is... Kind of a spoiler, so if you don't like spoilers, take out your headphones or you know cover your ears for the next 20 skip seconds. Ahead, but skip, skip ahead 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds. I'll, I'll keep it under that. Is the fact that uh, Darth Bane is the person who instigated the rule of two. The You can only have a master and an apprentice. So he is technically the first Sith in the path that leads up to Palpatine's ultimate plan. So that's a, a, a neat reason to see the beginning of that. All right. Absolutely. And I will stop there just in case. All right. Yeah. So, but anything else you want to say? Of, uh, I mean, we went over movies, right? So, you guys, you guys hit it with the, you know, the episode six, the episode four, Rogue One. Absolutely, yes. I mean, touching on Solo alone, it was just, it was nice to see just more Star Wars. Yeah, really, for sure. Um, but man, you guys dropped the ball with episode five. Now, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? It's, it's the most, it's the most like fan appreciated movie, I think. And that's for, the reason why I don't like it as much. For great, as weird as that sounds. I mean, there's there's the pose of just oh Luke trying overconfident enough to go and face off Vader, who's just like, so you, you know, you didn't hear all the stories about me. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. All right, let's do this. And I mean, seeing Luke getting battered to still standing up to get he was he he gets dropped into the the chamber, the uh, the carbonite freezing chamber, jumps out of that, and it's like, all right, I've just lost a bunch of power doing that oh look dad's throwing a bunch of things at well wait he doesn't know he's dad yet does he <laughs> which is the best part this dickhead's throwing things at me oh no and then right after that we get 
hey, so I know I beat you up and all, cut off your hand and everything, but I'm your pops. Like that, all that lead up to that is just like, well, you know, great reveal and all, but don't you think that was a little, the worst time to tell this kid that? <laughs> oh, yeah, you cut off my hand, so let me just come hug you now. No, I'm going to get as far away from you as possible. But rule I the mean, galaxy. And that's it, right? And that's why that move into six, I think, just played up six much more as it as it stands. For the mm-hmm. fact that we had such a good lead up from five being that's like, true. oh, man, we're going to get all these answers. We need to see all these things. What happens next? And so the anticipation for six, I can only yeah, imagine. The, the cliffhanger means. at the end of episode five was definitely right? something like where evil prevailed over the light. That's something that doesn't happen very often in movies, especially back in the day. Like, I wasn't alive back then, but from what I've heard, like, it was a pretty surreal experience to experience, you know, Vader winning, you know, so in the Empire. Up. Right. Like, there's mm-hmm. no hope, right? Everybody split. So at that point, it's just like, oh, no, what's going to happen now? So perfect setup for six, which makes that such a great movie, too. Like, yeah. no, you're talking about the fight right on the, right on the, the second Death Star, right on the bridge in front of Palpatine. And. Mm-hmm. Like that, that scene alone, I think, is one of the reasons why so many people watch it too. And then there's there's so many clips and edits on YouTube and stuff that you can see. Oh yeah, it's yeah. that fight. I don't know, man. Just like there's something about the episode three fight that's amazing, but one about the episode six fight that's just as good. Oh yeah. Or it's like you won't have like the crazy flips and all the CGI things going on, but just the the emotion behind that fight. It's perfect to, like, I can guarantee if you put that in the theater, like, now and show nope, like, people hadn't seen episode six before, I guarantee you, you'd hear pin drops other than the screen, like, <laughs> at that time, because everybody would be so locked into, like, oh, he's just hammering away at him, like, that's, what are you, Luke, what are you doing? No, kind of thing. But, I don't know, nice. that, that makes both of those, that tie in there for me. And then yeah. special mention to Rogue One and episode four, that lasts, like, 15 minutes, man. Like, Vader I was activating that lightsaber and going ham. Like, I oh, halfway decimating the rebels. The, yeah, like I halfway expected for the theater just to be like, all right, now in for a special viewing of episode four right after. I'd been like, dude, I love you. That would have been <laughs> amazing. So it didn't happen. So I rushed home and watched episode four right away. Anyway, well, it's still fresh. <laughs> but like, I can never start episode four without watching that last bit of Rogue One because it's a great tie into everything, and then you can see why they're so pissed off when they get onto the ship being like, where are the plans? Oh, you know, we're on a diplomatic mission. It's like, oh, come on. I just saw your ship. Yo, you part of the Rebel Alliance stuff. and a traitor. Take her away. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes so much more sense in context how oh, he sure. just, because he saw them leave. They didn't see him on the ship. Although yeah. it's a little bit strange that none of the soldiers reported, hey, how, what happened to the guy who's supposed to bring the plans? Oh, yeah, Vader killed all of us. Like, oh, maybe if he keeps showing up, or if he shows up again, maybe we should have a different alibi in place. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to nitpick tiny movie things after an awesome scene like that. All right. Are you guys ready to move on to the news and news rele- or new releases segment? I think yeah, so. I mean, that was a bit about who we were, aside from just, you know, Star Wars fanboys at that point. Pretty so, much, yeah. And we have, a lot of, we have a lot of other interests. So, if you guys have any questions for us about um, what games we play, that kind of stuff, or what other phantoms that we are fans of that kind of thing i'm sure we'll talk about it over the course of the podcast and reference things such as game of thrones and things like that um by all means you can ask us questions in uh twitter or wherever uh you want to leave us feedback all right 
You guys good for uh, the second segment? Next segment? I think so. This is going to be our second segment here. There's a few things we've got to talk about, but first and foremost, we're going to talk about some movies. And to help us along with that, we have Dan. Hey, you guys. I'm going to talk about uh, movies, as Ed said. We have some news about Star Wars, a uh, solo, a Star Wars story, home release, set for September 14th for digital home release, as well as September 25th for Blu-ray, Blu-ray, 4K, Ultra HD, DVD, um, and on-demand services. So we have for Solo, we have a few awesome um, little extras on the Blu-ray section, and I believe the digital download, I've not... Um, bought the digital download before the actual release of the movie comes out, but I believe the extras are on iTunes. Um, I know that they have like a bonus section for iTunes, which includes uh, Solo, the director and cast roundtable. So a sit down with director Ron Howard and a stars for an intimate and entertaining discussion of the film's making. So I'm assuming that's more of like a sit down, you s- like the, you're watching them talk to each other kind of interview style. Um, you can see how Chewie was brought to life um, with uh, Team Chewie, as well as Kasdan on um, Lawrence Kasdan with his son, Jonathan, and how they kind of came up with the movie script together. The remaking of the Millennium Falcon and how they've transformed the ship that we knew in episode four, five, six, seven into the, uh, the older Falcon, I guess, in Star Wars Solo. Um, as well as escaping from Corellia. So getting behind the wheel of um, the high octane chase through the streets of Corellia. So when Han is getting chased by um, the the gangsters and stuff, that will be kind of like a behind the scenes featurette. As well as the train heist. There's going to be some behind the scenes and the challenges and things that happened when uh, filming for the train heist. Um, some other things I have are a behind-the-scenes interview with uh, the uh, L337, Lando's uh, co-pilot, and how kind of bringing her to life and making her who she was in the movie, as well as um, a little segment on scoundrels, droids, creatures, and cards. Uh, welcome to Fort Yipso. This is the, the title they have on the StarWars.com article. So it's an d- in-depth uh, tour and uh, kind of little hits, hints and things of what are in the uh, kind of area that Lando was first seen in um, and talking about the kind of different strangers that are in there and this the game Sabacc and how it kind of functions and things. Um, a couple other things are the Maelstrom scene uh, during the Kessel Run and how that came to life as well as um, a bonus. Uh, there is It says here, an exclusive bonus feature available as a digital code with a target release you get a look at the history of the most famous ship in the galaxy, its origin and development, and how it will translate into one of the most anticipated expansions in Disneyland's history. I'm assuming that means the Edge of the Galaxy Disney Star Wars theme park and how the... I know they're building a full life-size Falcon there. And then some deleted scenes. These are the last little bits here. Um, Deleted scenes in Proxima's Den, uh, the Corellian Foot Chase, Han Solo as an Imperial Cadet, the uh, Battle of Mimban extended, the extended Han versus Chewie fight, a snowball fight between Han and Chewie, meeting Dryden, uh, extended scene, as well as Coaxium double cross. So there's an extra scene there. Um, so that's pretty much all the Star Wars solo news that we got on the Star Wars website, in- 
including the home release and stuff. The next uh, news is a little bit more recent, um, and it was Star Wars Episode Nine. So I want your guys' input, Ed and Noma, for for the things that we're going to be discussing here quickly. So they discussed or they announced on the website Star Wars Episode Nine cast, which means they have cast members including Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Lupita Nyong'o, Domo Gleeson, Kelly Marie Tran, uh, Jonas or Junis Suotomo, and Billy Lord. And joining that cast are Naomi Aki. Richard E. Grant and Carrie Russell. Those are um, newer um, actors that are going to be and actresses that are coming into Star Wars. I don't believe they've ever been in a Star Wars film or animation. And they'll be joined by veteran Star Wars actors Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, Billy D. Williams, and Lando Cal- uh, as Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Sorry, and Lando Calrissian. So. There's some pretty crazy stuff being announced here. This is just the cast itself. There's even more stuff later on. But we have Mark Hamill. Guys, Mark Hamill's coming back into Star Wars Episode Nine. What do you think that means for Star Wars Episode Nine? I mean, I can see him doing the whole ghost thing. But after what happened in 8, he could just, depending on how J.J. wants to spin it, he could just be kind of mocking them the entire time. It's like, you see? You see, I told you so. Look what I had to do. Great. I didn't want to do this anymore. You made me go do it. See? Great. Like, he's going to have to tie them in somehow. Yeah. This Luke was more of a, oh, man, I got to do things. Yeah, I I I assume he'll be doing yeah that same thing. He'll be he'll be taking the place of Obi Wan's Force Ghost. You know he'll be there for the plot narration and guidance. I have heard uh, online uh, someone I, I I work with told me about this this theory going on around online that it wasn't actually him dying and becoming a Force Ghost. He was actually teleporting. I don't know if I believe that theory. It sounds more like hopeful speculatory. But, I mean, who knows? It, it could actually turn out to be real. If it was, that'd be interesting. You bring him back. I know they were saying before in 9, uh, 9 was supposed to originally be about Princess Leia, but, you know, since Carrie Fisher unfortunately passed away, uh, I don't know what they were planning to do now. So, who knows? Maybe they bring back Luke as a ghost. Maybe they actually bring him back just to spite The Last Jedi. Not too sure, but... Something interesting to think about, I think. So, just a point on the not sure if he teleported or not. I think I've de- I can debunk that a little bit. Um, in the Last Jedi novel, novelization, mm-hmm. during that scene where it's like Luke sitting on the rock and he's like exhausted, it goes into kind of like what was going on in that scene in Luke's mind and like what was going on with the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like Luke was like super exhausted from doing that Force ghost um, like projection. And he heard someone say or heard the force kind of reach out to him and just like tell him to let go. And then he just let go and he was gone. Mm. So I'm not sure. It could be like he teleported or it could be that he's, he's with the force. Um, not 100% yeah. sure there. But I, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna, just going to say, I guess that all depends on whether or not the novels are canon. I'm, I'm not too sure. Right. Uh, I assume they are. Right. Because there's some scenes that are different in, like, they're added scenes in the novels and not in the movies. Okay. Um, other thing, too, that I want to point out is 
Mark Hamill was not just in episode eight once as one character. He was in the movie as a secondary character. Does anybody know who that character was? No, this is news to me. Isn't he a trooper? No. You guys remember the place called Cantobite? Oh, don't tell me he was gambling there. You remember the little hairy droid that tried to insert coins into BB-8? Oh, really? Yeah, he was voice. He voiced that character. Oh. So I'm assuming, as a theory, that he's not coming back as Luke Skywalker, but coming back as that character. They're gonna go to Canto Bite again. Oh no! I mean, no, I no, think no, we kind no, of no. eliminate Canto Bite's existence. Yeah, from, um, from our minds. Canto Canto Bite, as divided as the fan base is on that movie, I see so little point in that that whole Canto Bite. It's a nice little thing, you know. It's it's. At the end, I guess it's it's important because you can see that that kid can use the force. But outside of just being having that whole "Hey, Star Wars is gray" for the first time ever, it's usually been black and white. Now we're just making it gray for some reason. Well, yeah. I, to make it a more nuanced story, it, there's we'll have a discussion outside, about outside of that. We'll have a discussion about yeah. episode nine or episode eight strictly um, on another mm-hmm. podcast. We'll do like a full yeah. in-depth discussion, like scene by scene, and we can talk about That's uh, our thoughts on there. Yeah, because I, I think we've got people on, on both sides there. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got Anthony Daniels obviously coming back as C-3PO. Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for the swagger of Lando Calrissian in Episode Nine. <laughs> I mean, I am as well. I just hope they don't kill him off. Yeah, I know. That's a W. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna, I know we just said we were going to talk about Episode 8 later. Not going to name any names of important characters that kill off Admiral Akbar, But... <laughs> As long as as long as he doesn't go that same route, yeah, then I'll be happy. I'd yeah. like to see Lando come back as a badass. So, the last cast announcement for this was the role of Lair Organa will once again be played by Carrie Fisher using previously mm-hmm. unreleased footage shot for Star Wars: The Force Awakens. This is a quote from Abrams: "We desperately love Carrie. Finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga without her eluded us." We were never going to recast or use a CG character with support and blessing of her daughter, Billy. We will fa- we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as a- uh, Leia in Episode 9 by using unseen footage we shot together in Episode 7. So I think that's a very fitting uh, compromise to use to have uh, Carrie Fisher in the movie as Leia and to give Leia a ending that she deserves as a character. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. the fan the fan base really is looking forward to. Oh yeah, I, I think so. the The thing I'm curious about is that I remember closer to when she passed away that they were saying they had that she was recording episode nine at the time. So are they going to be using that were they and then splice nine? in episode seven? Or were they recording that, episode yeah, eight? Yeah, that. No, that uh, they were. Oh no, because I know I think episode nine finished... just started recording at the end of July here. They just started oh, yeah? shooting, yeah. Um, maybe the article I read was wrong. I thought I'd read something that said that, that she had finished recording 8 and was recording, starting to record 9. Oh, maybe. They could have done, like, pre-recording stuff, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Um, and apart from that, it's going to be produced by Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Michelle Rejuan. Um, executive produced by Callum Green and Jason McGillan, or McGatlin, sorry. Um, and there's a couple other notes of people there, but I'm not too... 
I don't know much about um, the other people that are working on the movie, but as a cast announcement goes, that's pretty in depth for I'd say Lucasfilm to show, like give us that much in one in one you know big article. I don't think I've ever seen Lucasfilm ever give out that much detail in one press press release. What do you guys think? Do you think that's a pretty decent uh, cast announcement to get our appetites uh, going for Episode Nine? I mean, oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the safe thing here to do would probably just release everything and be like, all right, what's fan reaction say to this now? So, you know, if it goes the way of Solo, at least we have enough time to really prepare, if anything. Right. Yeah, I I feel like Disney's kind of playbook right now is to be overly cautious. You know, they've had so much backlash from Last Jedi, and they had the mixed reviews of Solo, so they, they... I think they want to focus on this because I think it really wrong footed them, right? You see all the Marvel stuff that they were doing and the reaction is always the same. It's always positive. Yeah. There's never really been the last negative kind of reaction I can remember would have been like, Ant, or not Ant-Man, sorry, Thor 2 Dark World. Okay. Yeah. That's the last time I can remember people being like, it was a movie. But even then, it's not even like the movie was terrible. It's mostly just, it was a movie. It was okay. It was one of the more forgettable ones. But, I mean, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so it's still got that gold stamp. The only problem is that now that Star Wars has come out, their reaction has kind of been very meh the entire time, so I feel like now they're trying to work on that. Right. Um, I guess we can move into the events. All right, I'm going to go into the Galaxy's Edge updates uh, first. Uh, this is another Star Wars article that came out on June 19th, so a little farther back. But interesting news that I am super excited about. We have uh, five things we learned about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge um, at, Gal- at uh, Galactic Knights. So one is that they're going to be having AT-ATs at uh, two. They're going to be two towering AT-ATs at the park, um, as well as having a resistance transport. Um, so the ones that you saw in Episode Seven after the battle on. Um, um, at Maz's castle, Maz's castle, when Leia and C-3PO come out of that transport, that's uh, Rebel or Resistance transport. So they're gonna have one of those. Um, as well, they're gonna have Lothcats. If you've ever watched Rebels, you know on Lothal that they have these little cute Lothcats that Ezra and Kanan usually see uh, and talk. You know, use the Force with and kind of try and communicate with. They're gonna be hidden, I believe, around. Galaxy's Edge, um, as well as where it's actually going to be located. So the Star Wars theme park itself is going to be an immersive experience. So as soon as you walk into there, you're going to feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. You're not going to feel like you're on Earth anymore or in our reality for that matter, apparently. We learned that the town is going to be on Batu. That the Disney uh, Park guest will be exploring is called Black Spire Outpost. Um, and if you've ever heard of that, it's because you've read Thrawn Alliances. I won't go into too much depth, but there is portions of the novel that take place at Black Spire Outpost on Batu. So that is going to be really cool to kind of interact with the different uh, people that were in and aliens that were in that novel, possibly on Black Spire Outpost at this park. And uh, for those who are fans of anal- ali- of aliens, sorry. We're going to have Nian Nub as a character that's going to be walking around the park, as well as Hondo Onaka. <laughs> so they're going to be people Ooh, dressed up. Hondo. 
people dressed up as Hondo and Nia Nub and in character interacting with guests as those characters, which I am super excited about. And that's pretty yeah. much all the news we have for the Galaxy's Edge um, theme park. I hope whoever is playing Hondo is ready because he is going to have people Swarm. yelling at him all day. My friends, my friends. Oh, it's going to be great. And he's going to have to keep that. That would be amazing. Yeah. Like Ten pictures of him. And not just like at once. It'd be like throughout the day. I go find him. I go on a hunt for Hondo. Just be like, Hondo, I found you. Again, Lynn. If we if, if we've learned anything about going to anime conventions and fan expos and stuff, it's 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 that people will yell at you and if you're in character. Oh yeah, no, that was great being yelled at. I hate you and I want you to die. That's... Yep. <laughs> All right. That's a story for another day. Wait, were you Kylo Ren? <laughs> no, no, not quite. That, that'll be a story for another time. All right. So the next event news that we had was at San Diego Comic Con, and this was the tenth anniversary Clone Wars panel that we we're all like, "Oh, it's been ten years already that the Clone Wars have been out." Like, what will they be talking about there? Like, maybe some some art and things that we haven't seen before and plot points that we might have never heard of before as what they might have had in Season 7 of the Clone Wars. Um, but it turns out that uh, they're going to be releasing uh, episode or Season 7 of Star Wars uh, Clone Wars um, in 2019, I believe. And they're going to be releasing 12 episodes on their Disney streaming service that's coming out in 2019. And uh, I have a clip here from the panel from San Diego Comic-Con from a uh, YouTube channel called MakingStarWars.net. So I'm just going to play that clip so we can hear it, and then we can talk about it quickly as a little discussion and kind of, you know, theorize of what might happen in the, the Clone Wars Season 7. All right, guys, take a listen.
so after watching that video, what do you guys think? Ed, what do you think? Okay, that shot with like you know you see Rex's helmet to start with, and then as it pans out, we get the rest of Echo, and then as it's like panning back, you just see more and more like new like like clone trooper ones. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. And then the shift into Stormtrooper one was just so I was not expecting that at all. And to see that, and they, they just constantly continue. I was like, oh my, wow, like that is the best thing ever to be like. Okay, yeah, so we know we know what's coming. We obviously know what's coming, but they're gonna show the change. They're gonna show the new kit, if anything. And then to see, you know, just the updates we've had. Like it, they make it seem like it really has been ten years that. We know the Clone Wars didn't last that long, I mean, but like we know like enough time has passed where characters have gone through a few changes and just just to see Anakin's new model with his like hair ready to go for episode three was like, <laughs> oh man, this is really gonna finally close this out. Like I'm telling you, I need to watch that day one and I am hoping they put like every episode out day one. I need to binge this. I cannot. <laughs> I absolutely cannot go week to week watching this one i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my mind just anticipating way too much nice. from this like i need to see this all in one go i will take days off work to watch i think we might do like a, a marathon between the three of us oh that would be that'd be pretty that cool. would be maybe really a live fun. recording of watching them so I, i'm on the other side of of ed's reaction not to say that i'm not looking forward to this i am super super hyped for this noma dude season seven Clone Wars. You need to be hyped as hell for this, man. Oh, it's it's it was. I remember watching the trailer for the first time, uh-huh. it, and it was the same reaction as Ed was like, "Oh my god, it's happening! I can't believe it! How how much have I wanted this to happen?" And then immediately after that, there was this sense of kind of dread and me being very upset with myself because I'm not sure if you guys knew this, but they had already released, I think, two or so years back. All of the previs, or not all, but a bunch of the previs for the season seven stuff that they had worked previs up to before Disney. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, previs is basically you have the super super basic character models. They're doing really really jerky blocky poses. All the voices are there though. Yeah, all the voices are there because they uh, and it's basically like a super 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 rough copy of the final product. But the thing is, they released that because they didn't think that they were ever going to get to this and i remember they released four episodes and it was four condensed episodes and then one extra episode which i will not talk about because it is huge spoilers for the season but it was the fact that i had watched those four episodes and as soon as i saw the the opening shot where the lat gunship comes in and you see anakin and rex and another a new character for this season coming in i thought oh that looks familiar Oh no, I've seen that. Oh no, I've already watched four episodes. Yeah, oh god, yeah. what have I? What did I do to myself? You're talking about so the Bad just, Batch episodes. Yes, yeah, yeah Bad um, Batch. So exactly that whole that those whole clips are all those things that I watched at the time. I was like, this is as much as I'm going to get. So think, I'm going to enjoy this. And I now think, it's like, yeah. no. I think what, I even though we've, we, I've seen them too. I've seen the Bad Batch episodes. They're available on StarWars.com uh, to watch as the previs yeah. stuff. Um, but even even watching those as the previs, I think watching them again as like I don't remember what happened in Bad Batch as much. I know the main plot point, but uh, as far as like the specifics and things, I think it'll be good 
to see it in full vi- like visual effects and things like that because just mm. if you look at that last shot with the uh, the troop tramp support it looked beautiful like oh yeah the lighting just the smoothness of the video and the amount oh, yeah. of like moving objects in there as well i think one thing that stood out to me in that video was one uh there is a war going on in the background of those helmets and we'll talk about that in just a second two uh yeah anakin has like in between episode two episode three hair and like kind of facial structure mm. three ahsoka tano oh yeah and uh just i think the thing that really stood out to me though was the animation quality like you can tell from where they were in the clone wars in mm. the way that they animated the the characters faces and things um my girlfriend described it as uh like almost like dolls you know like those like ball jointed dolls like she kind of has that kind of like reaction to those character models mm-hmm. marionettes is kind of how she described it i guess the okay. way they looked and the way they moved but i think with their yeah with their new rebels animation they were able to combine those two art styles and those two animation um teams to create a more human feel to those characters in the animation like if you look at anakin's face when he's talking he has like that brow movement and like the eye squinting a little bit and just the way he has his um body posture and stuff like that it felt more realistic to me than it did oh this is definitely a cg cartoon that you know you can tell they're blocky movements or whatever right Oh, yeah. And, and I'll dip into that a little bit. As someone who studied uh, animation and 3D animation, also, I realized I never actually said that. I studied animation and 3D animation in college. The thing that really, the two things that really surprised me in that were that, one, they're using a completely new lighting engine. The lighting engines from, in Clone Wars was, it was a very nice one, but it was kind of was like a... It was scratch, too. Yeah, it, it, it was... It was like the Clone Wars one was a nice one. It was a little more industry standard. The Rebels one was a, almost a little bit simpler. It it still worked really well. It did a really really nice job in what they wanted it to do, but it was not quite as advanced as things that were out at the, at the same time, as far as I could tell. You know, I, I don't actually know what lighting systems they were using, but in this new season, the lighting is much more dynamic. It reflects off the character. Exactly. Yeah, it reflects off the characters a lot nicer. It's it's softer than any of the other engines have been. And what you were saying, the the movements look very lifelike and very, very real in the characters. Brown movements, all those little things. Right. In 3D animation, that's actually extremely hard to program. Uh, rigging is an entire... Basically, rigging is basically building all the joints into a character. It's super difficult to make that work well. If you are good at it, or if anyone listening here is good at kind of making those character rigs or has ever tried it and they like it, pursue that career. That is a career you will you will definitely find employment in because people are always looking for good riggers. And you can tell the Disney technology and the Disney money is behind this because Disney is right now, Disney Pixar are the leading kind of force behind the intense, very, very lifelike, very detailed, very pushing the boundaries rigging. Of all movies, ironically, to say this, I remember seeing Frozen when it first came out to see the new 3D animation, and the rigging that they did for, of all characters, Olaf blew my mind just because of how diverse and complex it was, and it turned out they were using three different rigs for him, but 
Nice. I won't go too far into this, otherwise I'll alienate our, or I'll bore our entire cast. <laughs> I think it's really and, interesting the, the perspective that you have, Noma, on the animation like uh, process and the, the the difficulty that it is. I, I believe we all understand to a point how difficult it could be, but we don't have mm-hmm. that background knowledge like you do. So it's going to be interesting to see over time when Resistance comes out and things and Clone Wars and, and whatnot to see what your opinion is on what's, you know, the animation quality and the lighting and things like that and see where that goes. Yeah, that's true. And I'm, I'm definitely down to do all of that. I can talk about this until everyone has turned off the podcast and then come back. <laughs> well, we, we went from one listener to now negative five listeners. <laughs> exactly, right? The longer I go, it'll just be the more negatives. <laughs> All right, but the one thing I want to talk about, though, is like what plot do you think is going to happen? In in, in general, I have an idea. Uh, I remember them talking about uh, the Siege of Mandalore as uh, a plot that they wanted to cover in Season 7 way back when they were not, in, like years ago when they had a panel about Star Wars Clone Wars. Um, so I believe there's going to be, a, if not the entire season, a huge chunk of the season, like maybe four or five episodes of the 12 episode uh, section uh, season is going to be Siege of Mandalore, which means mm-hmm. war on Mandalore with Mandalorians, Darth Maul, Ahsoka Tano, and some clone troopers, including Rex. Ed, what do you think? Yeah. Honestly, I was just really happy to see Rex again and his prime for that, like, I've done so many models and video games based off of his design, in the sense where you know, you here's you have a trooper who's been built so much who can lead, like basically the, from what I think, like the boba of the, I don't know, republic side at that point, at that point in time before he really grew into his own. Grant, granted, base he is based on his, on Django's design anyhow, but. I, I don't know. I'm still in shock after watching that to be like, <laughs> there's so much bouncing around my head for ideas and things I can't wait to see. But at the same time, I don't want to like, I don't want to predict too much and just kind of want to be amazed at what I see anyhow. Oh, I know. But I think like, I'm right there with you with the whole, you know, we're looking at, what was it? We're looking at the, the siege of Mandalore again. Like we've read about it. Yes. But seeing this visual depiction of it's going to be something that I'm actually looking really forward to because we didn't really see a lot of uh, Mandalore at this at this point in um, in the Clone Wars. What we did see, we saw the effective new Mandalore for how they wanted to be pacifists, and then conquer Dawn, which was trying to bring back the Death Watch. Then we see in Rebels, we see more of what the wasteland of Mandalore is. But for this now to be like, okay, take that wasteland and turn it into an entire battlefield. Uh, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to see the clones going nuts on this. I want to see if, from what we've seen from, you know, well, that won't tie into it. I'm getting ahead of myself for that. That's a little too far. But something that was revealed in Rebels that Ahsoka and Maul had met somewhere before. Like, if this turns out to be the case, this is going to be just another huge moment for the for the fandom. And yeah. this is really cool of them to do. I just sent you guys a link in uh, the chat there. If you open that up, you can see the poster that they have for the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. Season 7. Do you recognize mm. the design on the helmet? Hang on, hang on. Yep. Oh yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> hang on a second. 
Yeah, where's that looking familiar from? They they didn't pull that directly out of where I think they did, did they? What do you think? They Ed? might have. I'm thinking this is Delta. Well, not well. Yeah, this is going to be Delta, but this is Boss, isn't it? No, actually, this oh. this that would be awesome. As much as I would love Republic Commando back, this, the design on that helmet on the poster that you see there, mm. I first found out that being like I was like I recognize that symbol immediately as Fulcrum, and then Noma. Oh yeah, Noma. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah. So the, um, basically, if you don't want to be spoiled for season seven, then don't take the advice I'm about to give. But if you don't want to, or if you don't care about spoilers, then there was an Ahsoka Tano novel that came out. Um, I think it's just called Tano. That's a called Ahsoka, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's called Ahsoka. My bad. Yeah. Um, and in Ahsoka, you basically get to see a moment from the Siege of Mandalore from Ahsoka's oh, point of view. Where which is the name. Actually, that might be. I didn't even think about that. But that's why at the end of this trailer, you see her with uh, Bo-Katarn, because she's actually on Mandalore at that time. Right. Mm. So I feel like they will do a whole bunch of that. And uh, Some things I've been hearing around the fandom recently mm. is that... Uh, so this is going to take place like simultaneously with Episode 3, at the beginning of Episode mm. 3. So it's going to be like Anakin and Obi-Wan are going to be going like when they're talking to Ahsoka in that video there. Yeah, so this, uh, one, this, thing, one, one thing we should probably point out. Spoilers again, if, if you Yeah, if you don't want spoilers for Season 7, cut, cut out forward, the, like, next, the next five minutes. Yeah, the next five minutes of this. But yeah, like Dan was saying, basically, that, that whole if, if what I'm thinking is happening is happening, that whole conversation where she says, hello, Master, blah, 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 is basically her asking the Republic for aid in the Siege yeah, of Mandalore. And Anakin exactly. and Obi-Wan say, well, we, we can't right now. The Chancellor's been kidnapped we need to go fight this and anakin promises her reinforcements and ahsoka's like all right i i, I trust you so eventually the 501st show up and which ahsoka is goes to greet them. them yeah rex and his troopers but when they appear they're in all orange paint instead of blue paint and they've got those the tagrutan kind of markings all over them right and ahsoka asks what's happened and rex responds that they're not the 501st for this mission they're ahsoka's legion yeah Oh. They're under under her command, and basically Rex just goes, "What are your orders, Commander?" Oh, how do you not see? This is where being a Jedi is so hard because how do you not just break down at that? Being like, "Oh, and and that's these... the thing." Ironically, um, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but where I'm getting this from is that same panel where they were showing the previous episodes, mm-hmm. and when when Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni was the one saying this, this is what he wanted to do, and when he finished that scene. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, the voice actor for Ahsoka, because she'd never really heard this, actually broke down from yeah. See, that's I'm crying from that. But that's power. something you have. Like, there's so much behind that. It was like, yes, you were with these guys for so long, and things happened, you had to leave. But they're treating it as like, you know, we haven't missed a beat, and mm-hmm. you're still that person we know and trust with our lives. And yeah, <laughs> what and comes that, next? Like, that's huge. Yeah, I, and, that, and that carries over into Rebels. That's why. Ahsoka has Ahsoka and Rex have all that respect. You know, they're re-cementing that that bond. Right. Mm-hmm. I for one am super excited about Star Wars Clone Wars season seven. Are you oh. guys yes or no? Excited? Yes. Absolutely oh, yes. Did billion however many planets there are in No Man's Sky. Oh I have to say it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I am angry at myself, but I am one hundred percent looking forward to this. Awesome. Well, we'll move on to the book segment. You good with that? Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. So, 
for this little bit, we're going to talk about some of the some of the literature coming out for our favorite series. Uh, covers quite a bit, but stay tuned because this is really really important stuff. You guys want to know? Uh, out now we have Star Wars Most Wanted, and that these next two books, Most Wanted being the first one, they really kind of put a, a different sort of take on on um, on Solo, Star Wars story. And I know we have Dan who's read a lot of that one. If Dan, you want to definitely you want to pitch in here? Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've read through lots of pretty much all of the released Star Wars novels up to date. There's a couple uh, young adult books that I haven't read, but the ones that we're covering on the podcast today are what is it? Star Wars Most Wanted, which was released on May 25th, so quite a while ago. Um, and that book goes into the past between uh, Solo, like Han Solo, and uh, Kira when they're on um, Corellia. So it kind of goes between their past a little bit, gives them a little bit more of a backstory, uh, which is interesting. And I find after, like I watched Solo first and then read that novel, um, I appreciated the novel um, after watching the movie, but it did give a little bit more depth to the characters, which also helped me appreciate Solo just a little bit more. And kind of see where, because at the beginning of Solo, you see uh, Kira and Han are kind of like running and stuff, and they're um, they kind of have a. I'm not going to spoil anything if people haven't watched it yet, but basically, uh, like they are romantically involved, as you can tell, and it kind of gives you a backstory to like why that's the case. Um, and that's pretty much the entirety of Most Wanted. It just kind of delves into their backstory a little bit. Um, the other thing, the other novel that we're covering is Star Wars Last Shot, which is an interesting novel. It's a format that um, the uh, Star Wars books have been taking on recently. I don't know if you guys have noticed, um, but they've taken on a, like a past and then a present and then a past. It kind of jumps between the past and present uh, like stories in one novel. So um, in the Last Shot novel, it's a book about... Lando and Han um, when they're in between episode 6 and episode 7 and Ben Solo is born something comes up and Lando needs to get Han to help him with something and then the story kind of goes from there and there is things that happen in their past that kind of have effects on the events that they are doing right now in between episodes 6 and 7 so it's an interesting novel it gave me more of a backstory for L3, Lando's droid. I don't know if you felt that at all, Ed. Uh, with the, yeah, I'm not going to say too much because that would give away an important part of the book. But um, with whole L3s, you can see where she got her passion from. Uh, just her, like, droid civil rights, basically. And a lot of it, it gets looked at in further detail in the last shot a lot, especially when, as you said, they have different timelines they're going through or not timelines, sorry, but different, different spots of time right. that they write about. And in the present, in the present one, you can clearly see like the people that they're dealing with are very much like pro droid rights kind of thing. Exactly. So it kind of gives you an idea of, of why L3 is doing what she's doing and that kind of stuff. Um, in my opinion, anyway. Um, the other things that we can mention is Thrawn Alliances, which was released. Um, that one is, it is an adult novel and it was released not too long ago. I don't have the exact date in front of me, um, but I believe it was like a month or two ago. And Thrawn Alliances covers, again, 
past and present with uh, Anakin, Padme, and Thrawn, as well as Darth Vader and Thrawn. And a little bit of the Emperor. Um, so it kind of jumps in between that and gives you a little bit of a backstory of how um, Thrawn met Anakin and Padme. And it was interesting uh, just to kind of give you a little bit more backstory of Thrawn. Although I am very excited to see where Thrawn is going to be going in the next novel, if there is going to be one, which I hope oh, there is. Boy, I hope so. I really do. Noma, what do you think? Do you think Thrawn might have a new novel after I mean, this one? They have said, um, I guess spoilers if anyone hasn't seen the end of the Rebels TV show, but they have said that Thrawn does reappear, and apparently it's canon that he is one of the kind of founders of the first order so i can definitely see them doing something kind of maybe picking up from the end of rebels kind of thing you know going into to what he was doing and why he wasn't there for any of the the actual movies and stuff yeah yeah i could definitely see that happening. nice all right um the cool thing about the throne alliances book is if you got the um san diego comic-con exclusive cover book only sold at the convention. Um, instead of having Darth Vader with Thrawn on it, it actually had Anakin with a younger Thrawn and a, a lower end uh, ensign or something like a lower um, imperial. Yeah, I think a lieutenant. Yeah, lieutenant. Well, he uniform. wouldn't have been. He was from. That was when. Well, I don't want to say too much again, but he was wearing a uniform for sure. It looked a lot nicer. I like the San Diego Comic Con cover more. Um, and then Barnes and Noble. Uh, a bookstore in the united states was selling a, an exclusive uh version of that book that included a double-sided poster with padme yep. on one side and what was on the other was it just a normal cover of the book it was it uh it was vader and thrawn yeah so the normal cover one. yeah hardcover but that poster was perfect nice um so things that are going to be released um or sorry there is a book that also was released it's a young adult novel uh, or a kid's novel. It's called Join the Resistance, number three, book three. Um, that's by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, uh, two uh, writers on the book. And it is uh, a book that's kind of, it follows a group of like little kids um, that are part of the resistance that are involved with events that happen alongside uh, episodes seven and eight, I believe. Future releases. We have this massive like publishing panel that happened at San Diego, Com San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, a few months back, and it is uh, basically telling us all the novels that are coming out for the next uh, portion of 2018, as well as a little bit of 2019. So what we have here is uh, a new series called Flight of the Falcon, which includes books. Um, October 2nd release is going to be Lando's Luck. So that follows Lando Calrissian and a little adventure of his own. October 2nd also will be Luke and Leia, a choose-your-own-adventure book, which is similar to the Han Solo choose-your-own-adventure book they released a little while ago. And then mm -hmm. January 8th, they have uh, Pirate's Price, which is also the last book so far in the uh, Flight of the Falcon series. And that one involves Han, Chewie, meeting uh, our all-favorite pirate. Um, Hondo? Hondo, yeah. Hondo yes. Onaka. So they get to meet him. He's on the cover, which is kind of cool. So I'm excited for that book. That comes out January 8th. Uh, a couple more is March 5th, Queen Shadow. And that book is going to be very interesting. That one actually is a book all about Padme. 
Yay. Um, and her change of role from the queen to the uh, senator. Politician. Right. Okay. So the description of the novel is Padme Amidala served Naboo well as its queen, but now she is ready to begin a new chapter in her life. Then the newly elected queen asks Padme to serve Naboo in a new capacity as its senator. With the help of her devoted handmaidens, Padme must figure out how to navigate the treacherous waters of politics and forge a new identity beyond the queen's shadow. Now that book is written by the same author that wrote Ahsoka, E.K. Johnson. So I'm, okay. I'm definitely excited for that. I did enjoy the Ahsoka novel. Um, I, have you guys read that one? Uh, you've, I think you've finished it, right? I haven't finished that one. Yeah, I finished it a while ago. It came out, I think, last year sometime. It was a good novel, and it was well-written, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. There is two more books. Uh, September 4th, we have the solo movie expanded edition, which is the adaptation of the novel. Um, but it will include uh, some deleted scenes, which is really cool that are, I believe will be included on the Blu-ray. And the last novel we have is February 26, 2019, which is Master and Apprentice. This novel is something that I've been looking forward to for a while. That's the book written by Claudia Gray, and it is set before the events of The Phantom Menace. This thrilling new novel from the best-selling author Claudia Gray, who wrote Bloodlines, which is also a really good novel, stars Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi on a dangerous mission for the Jedi. Now, this would take place before Episode 1, since Qui-Gon is dead after Episode 1. Saying that it can't be an adventure with Obi-Wan and the ghost? Yes, it definitely can't be. <laughs> Sadly. I would love that, too. But yeah, that's the last novel that we have for the books. Are you guys excited for Master and Apprentice? I'd like to kind of hear a little bit more about what... Because it's very vague right now, right? I don't really know what sort of audience it's for. I don't really know what the adventure is. But it sounds interesting. It would be nice to go back and have that sort of Qui-Gon Obi-Wan interaction again. Definitely, definitely. I mean, exactly. Like, we haven't heard anything from Qui-Gon really since um, that episode in Clone Wars. Really, I mean, if you haven't watched the Clone Wars yet, spoilers and get on that <laughs> right Seriously. now. Season 7. And, like, seeing him again, like, how many people felt that, oh my god, it's Qui-Gon! Kind of feel Oh, again, I definitely you know? flipped my lid when I, when I heard... Um, Liam Neeson's voice. Heard, exactly. I'm like, Whoa. And that was it. I wasn't so, expecting that. Like, yeah, this one, like, you can't read any of Qui-Gon's lines without hearing Liam Neeson anymore. And that voice, that just that iconic voice for it. So, yep. I'm looking forward to it 100%. Like, be it for kids or whatever, or young adults, whatever audience it's written for, I'm still going to read it. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Ed, do you want to take us to the All next right. segment, I think? Perfect. So we've covered books so far, but now we're going to go into our different medium of those. Uh, our graphic novels, pop comics, however you want to call them. They are exciting, and they're coming up soon. Um, starting with September 5th, really, we were going to get Star Wars issue 53, Hope Dies Part 4. If you've been following that series, you know what to expect from... I mean, the timeline here, we have... It's between A New Hope and Episode 5. This... <sighs> Honestly, this series has been really good so far, and just the art for it alone has made me want to read it more and more. So I can't wait for this next one. And now for our next comic that we, we know that's coming out is a personal favorite of Dan's, I know. This one is going to be Dr. Afra. Ask him about it sometime. He'll go into long detail for it. <laughs> and it's going to be annual number two. And Dan, you want to talk about that one for a little bit? 
Yeah, uh, Dr. Afro Annual number two, I believe that one is, let me just pull it up here. There it is. So Dr. Afra Annual number two is a story with Dr. Afra and her working with uh, two characters called Winloss and Nock. And uh, basically they're monster hunters and they are hired by a mysterious contact to basically find a deadly monster in an old ancient temple that they have to bag and bring back for the person that hired them. And it looks like a pretty cool issue, but uh, I'm not too sure exactly where this fits in the Dr. Afra series, but uh, we'll find out as soon as it does come out. All right, and that's, I mean, that sounds interesting. Afra's been great since 2016, so everything from hers has just been a joy to read, really. But, Definitely. Oh, yeah, I have enjoyed Dr. Afra a lot. But I'm coming on September 12th. That's, uh, that's going to be one of my personal favorites i'll tell you that right now i've been following this series very closely we're gonna get darth vader 21 now for anybody who's been following that one the last couple issues were pretty intense i'm gonna give you some time to catch up if you haven't but just make sure you got nothing to do and you're going through those take your time for like an hour or so and just enjoy what you read because we get more of vader doing what he does best let's just say that uh but for issue 21 uh, synopsis goes, Darth Vader returns to the place of his birth as he seeks the path to his destiny. Echoes from the past reach out to him, both from his own and from the dark history of the Sith. Now, just from that alone, we can we can imagine where he's going to go back to. Um, this is leading up to a lot that's coming out. Wait, wait, wait. For... wait where, where was Darth Vader born? I don't know if he was born, was he? Uh, Pretty sure it's most of is he, isn't he just like there a machine? Isn't go. he more machine than man? Yeah, you're cute. You're real cute. <laughs> we are we are true Star Wars fans here. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but um, no, man, Mustafar. Like, if you take a look at the uh, the cover image of it, it's just pure fire, lava around him, and it looks like he's just doing this, just just floating, just like, nope, none of this is gonna hurt me anymore, sort of thing. I hate fire now and sand. So <laughs> they both get everywhere. <laughs> But it looks it looks promising. Just hearing that alone, after everything we've seen so far, it looks like he's gonna get a little, a little more into the meditation part. And for every, every scene that we've seen him meditating, like look for the butterflies is all I'll say for that. But that's something to look forward to for two for sure. Darth Vader twenty one. Right after that, if you've been following the Last Jedi issue number six, comes out on the same day. Anybody want to pitch in on that for a second? That's basically that's that's part six of six, and it's an adaptation of the Last Jedi movie. So it it does sometimes have in the past adaptations of other movies, um, they have had extra scenes or scenes that are like transition scenes, but they do cut out some things that aren't super duper important to the actual main plot. Um, oh, really? So this one's just basically covering the last little bit of the Last Jedi. And it looks like on from the cover, it's going to be Kylo Ren versus Luke and that kind of setting onwards. Um, but apart from that, nothing really new in there. Like you won't have anything uh, groundbreaking in that possibly a deleted scene, but that's, that's it. That's not bad. I mean, for those of us that do, who do want to see more, that would be a good one to look into for sure. But we're going to get Thrawn's paperback issue on that same day as well. And that one's going to be following the first novel that went out 
uh, covering Thrawn and how he met up with the Empire and how he got to the station that he's at. Um, very interesting series. If you haven't picked up anything from Thrawn yet, I mean, if there's something you need on the go, something quick, pick this one up for sure because this is going to be one you don't want to miss. And lastly, on September 12th, we have Darth Vader, Dark Lords of the Sith, Volume 3, The Burning Seas. We'll also be on paperback, but um, again, more Vader on the same day. Who can ask for more Christmases early? But Dan, what do you know about this one? Uh, this one here covers Darth Vader, the 2017 run. So the newer Darth Vader series, issues 13 to 18. This one covers uh, the Mon Cala system and what's going on there. So a lot of, if, if you guys know what Admiral who Admiral Akbar is from the original trilogy and even from the Episode 7 movie, it kind of covers how he is involved with the Rebellion and stuff and the kind of catalyst of Mon Cala getting involved. I believe that's what is in uh, Volume 3. Excellent. And that rounds up September 12th. But just a few days later, September 19th, we get Star, well, Star Wars issue number 54. And if you remember back on the 5th, that's 53s. Uh, that's going to be right after 53. We're going to see, hopefully, quite a bit more from this series. I mean, the lead-up to it, just... It's it's a brilliant series so far. And I September, seeing at least two issues come through, that's going to be great to see. Lando, Double or Nothing, number five, right after that. Now, if you've been following this one, we see a young Lando really trying to make his name, step his step his name up in the galaxy and we just we get to see his side of the crazy adventures that we've heard about han or things that han's mentioned in passing uh we're really starting to see those come to form right now and Lando's he's been doing this like if you've watched solo you saw him do that scene where he's trying to might not write a memoir but like a chronicle the calrissian chronicles and this he really gets into them in here and they're all hilarious all interesting but he really wants to talk about himself a lot. Can I just jump in with a synopsis? Yeah, I'm reading it here, and it is hilarious. So the synopsis for Double or Nothing number five, which is the last uh, issue in the series for Lando Double or Nothing, is Lando's made, Lando's made his way to an ambivalent protrusion slave force, but can he convince them to stand up against the stormtroopers, who now are lower in number? Will L3 temper her passions in the face of massive droid abuses? Will Lando find a good card game and say, to hell with it all? That's the, the synopsis for the for the one Sounds issue there. Very Lando. Yeah, it's right? gonna be good. I love I love what they've done with Lando. I mean, th- this side of him, he was kind of like we always knew what he would become, right? But yeah. seeing him form this, seeing how like especially in his younger days, like how the clothes meant everything, the look meant everything. Uh, it's great to see that just progress all through, and we're gonna see what priorities he puts towards as he grows. But it's it's great reading. His 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 uh his issues right now, and then right after that we'll have Star Wars Adventures number fourteen that comes out there, the adventure series. Dan, you were mentioning that was something about um, the light novels kind of for kids. No? Yeah, so the the Star Wars Adventures series are basically very similar to the um, Star Wars Forces of Destiny comics that are out by IDW right now and the series that are on YouTube. I don't know if you guys have seen the shorts. They're like two, three minutes. Very similar in art style. And basically it covers like two or three uh, different tales and adventures in the Star Wars universe. So they are canon. They just are, they're kind of more toward like catered towards little kids. 
So in Star Wars Adventures number 14, the synopsis goes, Han has left to get himself into more trouble, leaving Chewie all alone with a perplexing new problem that is a major pain in his hide. The iconic Wookiee will have to use all of his strength, wits, and patience to overcome this latest danger. And then there is, at the end of each Star Wars Adventures uh, comic issue, there is something called uh, A Tale from Wild Space, and it follows a character, I can't remember what the character's name is, but he has like a BB-type unit, and he is in like the outer wild space areas, traveling around and doing stuff, which is kind of cool. So you get a little teaser to what is out in the wild space area. Okay. I mean, that's going to be... I mean, this the entire month of September is just going to be something to look forward to at this point for what we have just releasing in all of these. I can't wait, man. Neither can I. I just got to find the money somewhere to buy all these novels and comics. <laughs> I mean, you got two kidneys, right? I do. I can I can sell one of them, right? I need just one to live. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Some... <laughs> well, well, I go type in the black market value for my kidney. What's next Perfect. there, Ed? We got uh, we've got Doctor Afra number twenty four. This one, I I know you're gonna like this one. I think I'm gonna like this one especially too. Just reading the publishers from summary, you'll see that it's out of the frying pan into the heat. Death of a planet, killing meteor strike, swindling, backstabbing, and even the occasionally feeling bad about it all. All of Doctor Afra's attempts to escape her prison world. I don't want to say too much at this point right now, but wait, here comes an Imperial shuttle. Could this be salvation? Dun, dun, and dun. yeah, any more of that? I mean, spoilers as they go, we can all read this, but it just seems like everything is gonna be coming to a head at this point. So, twenty-four. If you haven't picked up twenty, I mean, if you haven't picked up the annual two yet, by that point, go right for them both because twenty-four seems like it's gonna be quite a ride. And Doctor Affer is always a fun little read. Then right after that, we're going to get Poe Dameron number 31. Now, this is really important because this is going to be the 31st and final issue of Star Wars Poe Dameron. So in this final chapter of the Poe Dameron series, we see what may be Black Squadron's last mission is the desperately attempt to find allies for General Leia Organa's decimated resistance. And it's been one heck of a ride, but all stories must come to an end. Now, the cool and- thing about Poe Dameron number 31 and the Poe Dameron series is it's the first look that we've had after episode eight so for the last six issues i believe maybe five issues it's the only look we've had to what may happen in episode nine leading up to episode nine because it takes place immediately after episode eight so it shows you and during episode eight so it shows you some of what black squadron has been doing the other pilots that you don't see like um, snap wexley and, and all those guys and so this one is interesting because the image of the cover of this shows Black Squadron together, which means I believe Snap and them are going to be getting together with Poe Dameron and stuff and maybe doing a mission as one full squadron, which is pretty cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah, this was a series that kind of snuck up on me as well. And as I started reading through the first bit, I before I knew it, I was like, all right, issue four, issue five, issue six. Okay, I probably just need to keep following this one because I'm really enjoying it. And that's one thing I didn't think i would enjoy out of the uh the new trilogy was seeing just what they were coming up with but poe's really grown on me to the point where like i'm i'm hungering for the next issue always and like i've picked up the volumes the single issues uh this is one i definitely i want to get a physical copy of this for sure just be yeah, it will be the final one so you know that's kind of like the why not situation right 
Yeah. Perfect, man. But finally, well, we have we have future releases for you guys, and these ones are going to be really important because as we were talking about the Vader series and what all he's coming up to, I mean, Halloween's a couple months away, and what better way to get started for it with a few comic books that start off in that kind of, you know, Tales from the Crypt kind of scary vibe to mean Vader would be the perfect uh, person or being, I should say, to, to accompany fear. And so the description for these ones, for Tales from Vader's Castle, that's going to be somewhere in October 2018. You join a ragtag band of rebels in this weekly five-issue miniseries filled with eerie adventures from across the Star Wars saga. Told in the shadow of Vader's Castle, these spooky stories feature Hera, Kanan, and Chopper, Han Solo and Chewbacca, the Ewoks, and of course, Darth Vader himself. Beware the tales from Vader's castle. I mean, at this point, I don't know whether or not to pick them up individually and read them then or save them all for Halloween night just before all of the craziness happens and then read it. And so beware the tales from Vader's castle. Now, that sounds like it's going to be something interesting. I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I'm always one of those people who uh, is a little bit pessimistic about genre clashing. So it'll be interesting if it if it's gonna be really targeted towards you know adults kind of thing. I think that'll be a really a really interesting kind of unique thing to do on on uh, Halloween. You know, yeah, I can't remember the last time there's been any kind of horror based Star Wars stuff. Like maybe Death Trooper. Uh, back before the Death Troopers actually existed, there was a novel about called Death Trooper. I never actually read it, but I know that one was going for a quasi horror look. But if it's it was like more zombie like stormtroopers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that, okay. uh, from what I had heard. But if it's more of like a young adult kind of teen thing, then it's just something that you read for fun whenever, right? Exactly. Like if it's Tales from the Crypt Keeper kind of style, I don't see anybody losing sleep over any of those stories if you're over the age of 18, you know? Perfect. But yeah, look forward to Vader's Castle because that's going to be something we're all going to want to read for sure and talk about. Oh, yeah, I'm interested to see uh, what they're going to do with it. Yeah, and I know, Ed, you are for sure a Darth Vader like fanboy. So these are oh, yeah. right up your alley. I mean, I'm telling you, I'll have multiple copies. Once I keep sealed, once I just read and burn through, and you'll see them come through the wall. We have, we'll have like little folds in them or something like that, spine trees, because I've read it so much. And it'll only been like two days after the fact. All right. And right after that, in October as well, we're going to have the solo adaptation. That's going to be, we're going to get the story of the film expanded to include scenes from alternate versions of the script and additional content. So we're going to get deeper insights into Han's years in the Imperial Navy. I know I really, really want to read about that because that was something I thought was going to be in the movie. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Uh, Kira's past and the beginnings of the Rebellion. Now, I mean, Solo, again, another favorite character of mine, but I remember reading back in Legends of the day just like what he had, like where he went to the Academy, what he had to do for the Academy, and how many years he spent in it before leaving. And in the movie, I mean, I know they showed us this couple clips of him like the his character and how it was coming out in the imperial in the imperial navy and it just it's gonna be good to see more of that i think at least uh on my personal part you guys think about that yeah i mean you know i I also love the expanded universe for han stuff so you know i mean i don't expect to see i'm not someone who's gonna be like oh if if sunter fell's not in this i'm not gonna bother reading it but (laughs) right right it, it, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they they do with his, his lore instead of that. And, I mean, I actually thought that the Chewbacca, this version of the origin story, was 
just as good as the the expanded universe one that I was used to. So, you know, to keep that kind of tone and that kind of not really loyalty to the story, but kind of equivalency so that it still feels like that same Han Solo, then I'm all for it. Definitely. Dan, any thoughts? I am really excited for uh, this because it might include some of the other scripts, um, like scenes and things, which is from the other directors, right? And the other writers. So maybe some of the stuff that they reshot for in the, in the final take of the movie, they might actually have in the comic, which I think would be really cool. You know, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that would be something interesting to do. I mean, they could. It'd I, be I, nice to like see what all the other ideas were and where the story could have taken us. I mean, and still make it fit into the into the adaptation as well. Exactly, because the adaptations are are still canon. So the movie adaptation of the book, the comic, and then the movie itself, all three kind of combine into one canonization story, which is kind of cool. Okay. And that one, um, I mean, I enjoyed Solo for what it was, so I'm definitely going to pick this one up too. That'll be a good read. And that should be around six issues as the other ones were. Excellent. Excellent. And then, then for your holiday season, so hopefully beginning December 2018, if things go right, we're going to see three new Marvel comics um, all wrapped into pretty much one huge saga. We're going to have The Age of the Republic written by Jody Hauser, The Age of the Rebellion written by Greg Pak, and The Age of Resistance, written by Tom Taylor. Now, this is a journey through the entire Star Wars saga of The Age of Republic, Rebellion, and Resistance in a 30-issue maxi-series chronicling the most iconic heroes and villains from across the galaxy. So it's going to start in December, hopefully, and we're going to see Age of the Republic, Qui-Gon Jinn, number one, and Age of the Republic, Darth Maul, number one. So we're looking at, and according to Jody Hauser here, four months, eight issues. Each month is going to have a hero and a villain story. So regardless of what side you may go for or who you root for or who you're more interested in reading about, you're going to get something for you every month for four months. And then you'll still have another book to read at the other time, too, if you want to go on the flip side and say, like, okay, well, what's going on? If you're an Empire, if you're an empire or villain fan, then you're going to go, okay, well, what's going on in the hero story? What's going on with the Republic? What's going on with the villain? What's going on in the Resistance? So this one is going to be a nice little gift well, for myself at this point, I may gift it to you boys. I'm not sure yet. Depends on how I feel. I see but, how it uh, is. <laughs> well, well, what, if, what if, if we feel like it? What if we all gift it to each other? So I gift it to Noma, Noma gives it to Ed, and Ed gives it to me, and then we all get it. That's our, that's our Christmas that, present to everybody. That works. That's a four-month-long four Christmas gift, so I'll agree to anybody doing that for me, yeah? <laughs> but uh, Noma, what do you think about this one, man? It seems pretty interesting. Like, I, I like the fact that they're showing a lot of spotlight on, you know, some characters that occasionally get overlooked. I mean, the first thing I thought of was, oh, man, we might get a story where Grievous doesn't fail horribly. Right? That oh, would goodness. be a nice change of pace. Or will he be coughing in an escape pod? Yeah, exactly. The right? entire issue. I mean, that was one thing that always struck me as weird. Again, I'm, I'm jumping into Expanded because what really exists for Grievous outside of Expanded but it always struck me as weird in the expanded. So in the expanded universe, the whole shtick with Grievous is that he's this grand warlord from this uh, tribe, and he was was basically tricked into thinking that the Republic ambushed and crippled him, and then the Separatists brought him back to life. And he's this grand warlord that has all these victories under his belt, and then proceeds to immediately lose every single battle he ever fights against the Republic. 
um, which, you know, paints a great picture of him. And in Clone Wars, it was basically the same thing. I think the only time I can remember him winning is when he beats a bunch of backwater witches on a swamp planet. There was um, there was that. He did the... <laughs> remember when he was taking out that, oh, oh I'm a new Jedi. I'm going to do the things that all of you can. I'm going to take out Grievous myself. And it's like, oh, yeah, oh no, right. wait. No, don't do it. You're not part of the plot. You're not important. And I don't sure remember you from any of the move. Uh-oh, there it goes. <laughs> And Grievous finally gets his plot armor for the first time there. There's possible stuff in the Clone Wars to the TV series that he might have had some successes during the war. I believe there's a couple. Oh, the 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 malevolence doesn't count. A few scream sneak attack hits someone with an ion gun and then kill them. I mean, that's that's a victory. victory. That's a victory. (laughs) As small as a victory as it is. Small victories, they count. (laughs) But this is the good thing about the. well, it's going to be the good thing about these new Marvel comics because it's already got us talking about so many different branches of things. And that's, we can be, we'll be able to talk about the Age of Republic and that whole series. And then Rebellion and Resistance we'll have to talk about too. And by that time, they may be able to tie in some, some Poe Dameron things. They may be able to tie in more of these Star Wars issues that are coming out. Yeah, but that's going to be a great wrap-up for the year. It's just to get us talking about everything we've read so far and then what we can hopefully expect for the future. So December 2018, look out for that because it's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. And so far, that's what we know for comics to date and what's coming for the future. But we have Noma next to talk to us for a few TV shows that we're going to be seeing soon. And Noma, take it away. Yeah, that's right. So we've only got two right now. And they are on a sliding scale, at least to the, uh, as far as I can tell, the general public's reaction. It's a sliding scale between can't wait for and want to kill with fire. So we'll start with the everyone is can't wait for. So John Favreau, uh, we've heard a little bit more about the Star Wars live action TV series that he's planning to do. So it's supposed to take place seven years ABY, which stands for After Battle of Yavin. So that would be three years after the Battle of Endor, which would be, I think, as well, that means two years after the end of Rebels. The interesting thing, and the thing that I'm very excited for, if this turns out to be true, is the rumors are all saying that the the TV series itself is supposed to be focused on Mandalore and the Mandalorians, what they've been up to, I guess, after the fall of the Empire and building up to the sequel trilogy. That'll be really neat. Again, all of my knowledge of The Mandalorians comes from Expanded Universe. Uh, I read the Django Fett comics about Concord Dawn, and I was super into all their kind of lore about how they were people with a culture, but it was a people that anyone could join. So it was made up of all these different you know, factions. You have Death Watch and the Super Commandos and True Mandalorians, all that stuff. Now, as far as I can tell from canon, it's been just reduced to death watch and the uh, pacifist mandalorians so it'll be interesting to see if they expand on that lore what direction they decide to go on there was a few and in in sorry just gonna jump in the mm -hmm. the rebels uh, tv series they ran into a little bit because of sabine with her family yeah so there was a few other factions that were um on was it Concord Dawn or was it another planet? I can't remember. Yeah, Concord Dawn and the Proctors, uh, with Fen Rao and right. those guys. But that's all I really know about the Mandalorians, apart from what was in the Kotor games way back. Yeah. So in the expanded universe, Concord Dawn is actually originally the planet that Jango Fett's from. What do you 
think about this TV series focusing on Boba Fett because it takes place after episode six, three if, years after Endor. If they give me a true sequel to thirteen thirteen, oh my I god, I will be so happy. Oh man, Don't, because oh, I was mentioned. Oh, I just saw, and this hurt me so the trailer? badly. Not the trailer, but I saw a leaked image of what Boba was supposed to look like suited up. Oh, no. And it looked so good. What, post-episode 6? No, no, of 1313. Oh, no. So it's, it's okay, let me just this, look this like, up. It's him in this cool Mandalorian. Yeah, well, if if we can find it, I'll see if I can find it again. It'll be in uh, oh, links or posted on Twitter or something. God. That, that sounds like you, you found hang it. Yeah, on, it's like, hang cool, on, hang on. I, I got to see this. <laughs> I got to see this. So I'll keep talking while they look for it. Yeah, oh, that looks yes, great. It's this really cool, like, all of his armor is not Mandalorian. It's all kind of, like, put together, kind of smuggler stuff. So he looks like this kind of... That's really uh, cool. Very kind of streetwise bounty hunter. You wouldn't think twice about it, but he's wearing Django's helmet. Yeah, that's yes! awesome. Okay, okay, that's the, that's the image I'm looking at then. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Kind of like a, like a Star Wars version of Predator. Yeah, it looked so nice. And I was like, oh... I'm so angry. It's one of the only things I'm angry at Disney for because we could have had 1313 if they hadn't canceled it. Right. Now, see, and now we have EA. Right. I don't like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Now, think of this. So, imagine Star Wars, the live-action TV series, being about Mandalore, and it's... A, this is jumping a lot of what-ifs, but if Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit at the end of Episode six. Mm. and actually survived and made his way back to Mandalore do you to think he would do you think he would then kind of go on to become the leader of Mandalore or become Mandalore which is like the all powerful figure all powerful figure of Mandalore I wonder that would be interesting because I feel like that's almost too cheesy of a route to go and the only problem is with expanded we got to see that Boba spent a lot of time on Mandalore and with Clone Wars and, well, just Clone Wars, he's not in Rebels, right? But in Clone Wars, we see more that he's always on his own. He never goes back, he never goes to Mandalore. He sticks on his own with a group of bounty hunters, which was interesting. You know, that's why he knows Bosk and some of those people. Cad Bane. But, yeah, Cad Bane and all that. And, but that means that he, as far as we know for Boba, he has no connection to Mandalore. He never went there. As far as we know, Django never took him there. He doesn't really know any of the culture, as far as I know. Also, the thing that this always annoyed me in the series, he doesn't have his dad's helmet anymore. He used it yeah, as a bomb. Blew up. Yeah, that was a little bit annoying. Wait, so I'm not going to a cheap way to use it, too. Against Mace Windu, yeah. Yeah, he tries to kill Mace Windu with it. Oh, that's right. He did explode it in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, right, like, as the Boba Fett that we have right now has no connection to the Mandalorians. So that would be really cool to see him do that, but I I don't feel like it would. I mean, who knows? All up in the air, and it's John Favreau, so I I trust whatever he's gonna do as Just, long as he's got the budget and no studio and not I wouldn't say no studio interference, but as long as he's given a good amount of free reign, I think it'll be great. Now there is um, there was a rumor going around. Um, I don't know if it was substantiated or not, but apparently there's going to be about 10 million dollars per episode for 10 episodes for the first season of the live action tv series i'm happy i am so happy now it's a rumor so i don't know if it's you know real or not but that would be amazing having that big of a budget oh yeah that that sounds like 
that immediately sounds like they're trying to compete with like Game of Thrones. Right, exactly. And I am all for that. I will I Disney, I'm saying this right now. Whatever service you're putting it on, I'm on that I'm on that service. I don't know what it is, just take my money. By the way, the <laughs> just for people wondering, the T V series Rebels and stuff like that is gonna be on this Disney streaming service that's supposed to be yes. coming out in mid twenty nineteen. And apparently it's gonna be it's gonna cost less than Netflix, so like seven ninety nine a month or less. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, going to include like yeah, like all their Disney merchant, like all their Disney titles and everything, as well as all the Star Wars stuff. So there's a deal going through with Fox and Disney right now. So if they can get the TV rights back for uh, Star Wars Episode 4, 5, and 6, I believe, they would mm-hmm. probably throw that onto it as well. Oh, yeah. That would be great. And that I would think be really good. They also have a deal. Disney has a deal right now with Netflix to have, I think Solo was the last movie to go on to Netflix. So once that's on Netflix, um, then everything after that is going to be instead of on, on the streaming service. Right, it's going to be on the streaming service, which is I'm fine with that. I'll pay monthly for the Disney streaming service. I'd probably yeah. end up watching that more than actual Netflix. Because I don't know yeah, about you guys, is... but I haven't been able to watch Star Wars like Rebels live for the mm-hmm. last four years that it's been out. I've had yep, to watch it after the release. Right. Yep. Yeah. And because it's, it's not easy to find the Disney Channel where I am, like Disney XD. Mm-hmm. But uh, Resistance apparently is going to be on the Disney streaming service as well as the Disney <laughs> Channel, not Disney so XD. Spe- so speaking of Resistance, let's get into the one that let's get into the TV show that everyone wants to burn down. Hey, oh I'm a, I'm excited so, for this. Yeah, Resistance. Uh, it's very anime inspired, completely cel shaded, which is an interesting way to go. Animation wise, I'm not actually sure if that's cheaper or more expensive. I think it is cheaper than 3D animation. It looks interesting. Uh, the reason I say everyone wants to burn it down with a fire is, if you don't know, right now, the like-to-dislike ratio on that first trailer is horrendous. Uh, it is, It has 1,250,000-ish views. There are 11,500 likes and almost 90,000 dislikes. Oh, wow. Oh. So oh. people are not happy. I can kind of see why it looks very goofy. It looks very kid-friendly. It didn't really help that the second trailer that came out, uh, which goes into meeting the team, the characters we're going to be with, it is right now basically 50-50 like-dislike. It's 3,800 likes and 3,200 dislikes. So it's it's pretty close. It, doesn't, it also doesn't help that during that trailer, Dave Filoni says that they're setting out to make the show more childish and fun for a younger audience. I mean, those words are just going to trigger anyone who likes their more classic Star Wars. Now, I I just want to point out, like, so just to play devil's advocate and to have Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a voice of reason than the, you know, negative side of fandom sometimes. Screaming masses of the internet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, Having something more child-centric as a series is not a bad thing necessarily because think about us as kids. When we watched episode one as kids, we loved that. I mean, I did. I know Ed did. Um, yeah. And it was a little bit more like people were up in arms about it, with about Jar Jar and everything like that. But it was fine. And it didn't blow the series to smithereens. And, you know, Star Wars The Clone Wars was the first um, 3D animated TV series for Star Wars fans. And mm. people could argue that is more not child-centric, but... Um, younger audiences. It it definitely starts off that way, right? And I mean, the, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I'm ashamed to say, but I had a Jar Jar action figure when I was growing up because oh, I was definitely what, like six, I did too. Yeah, okay, yeah, we you were, like, two are on that. 
Who's a user? I was like six or seven when episode one came out. So at the time, I thought it was interesting. I remember just glazing over and my mind turning off when they were doing politics because I don't know what any because of that politics, was. politics, yeah. Right. But I mean, I mean like then, having having the Resistance anim- like anime-inspired look to it, mm. I think that's going to definitely lend itself to anime fans. So maybe it, it, it seems to be more of an introductory piece to Star Wars for younger audiences, which is... I'm happy with because mm. having a next generation of Star Wars fans solidifies the fandom and the franchise for the next generation. Oh yeah, you, you can't you can't let it wither and die. And I'm I'm tentatively hopeful for this because when I see that and when I hear kid friendly, I think towards I mean, yeah, season 1 of Clone Wars including the movie was very kind of kid friendly and very kind of vanilla and i remember rolling my eyes when i was watching the movie stinky the hut really i mean that's something we all want to forget yeah. about it's I all kind of so then yeah there's a reason why anakin you know stopped calling ahsoka snips after like season three because it just wasn't working same thing with rebels in the beginning rebels was was a Extremely. little bit awkward but the the one thing that always came to mind it was the first thing i thought of when i i heard everyone kind of screaming about this and i was kind of getting a little annoyed was i thought wait a minute one of my favorite Western anime of all time is Avatar The Last Airbender. The first season of Avatar The Last Airbender is incredibly childish. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is... I think super... Dave Filoni worked on that, actually. Oh, I should actually take a look. That that would kind of explain the tone. But, yeah, I mean, I still love that series. Granted, I don't go back and watch the early episodes that much because, you know, up, in, up until... Uh, the Western Air is it the I actually can't remember which but the the first Air Temple episode, it's super light and light and funny and weird until then. Then they get to that episode, it gets really dark for a little bit, goes back to being funny, kind of gets serious when they get to the end of the season, and then you know we get into season two and it starts to get a little more serious, but it's always kind of funny. So if it can keep the same style as Avatar, where granted I know that the worlds aren't the same, so I you do kind of expect a different tone. But if you can kind of keep that same fun nature while keeping it serious, then I think you can make Resistance work. And Dave Filoni hasn't I agree for steered sure. me wrong yet with a Star Wars TV show. So, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll see where it runs. I'm not going to judge the first season of Resistance because I know that's when they want to get people in and the studio needs them to play it safe. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully I'll be interested. Hopefully season two it ramps up. Who knows, right? I also, yeah. I, I really need something. I need something in the sequel trilogy to, to draw me in. Right. Because, and I might get some flack for this, nothing in the sequel trilogy really reaches out and grabs me with interest yet. I think Poe Dameron is the closest thing that I'm interested in. But other than that, it's all just kind of bland. So I'm hoping that, that Resistance will, because it's got some real nice designs to it. The one thing that's been confusing me, or just at least making me interested, is that the main character ship looks like someone just souped up a Z95 headhunter. That would be kind of strange, but then they've also got the, I'm going to mess up the name, but it's a ship that was actually just released for X-Wing. The Karazi, I think it is, Starfighter, is one of the ships that one of the characters is using. And I thought that was really neat. Like, oh, you know, take some stuff from the some of the original design stuff from the board games and stuff like that. Like how in Battlefront 2 we got the Raider class ship, which was originally, again, in the X-Wing game and then Armada. 
stuff like that's really neat. So I, I did appreciate seeing that kind of crossover happening. Um, but I, I agree with you on that one completely, especially giving the giving the first season to kind of like just let it happen and then we'll talk about it from there is extremely fair. Yeah. Uh, just as you were saying with the past being what it was and how we got like I love the Clone Wars, but you 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 got it exactly right with Avatar. Like when I go back and watch it, like I kind of start from either late season four or season five where things, you know, were a little the tone was more serious. Things were getting more intense. We knew it was going to happen, but seeing them trying to fight desperately against it was like, that's what we want to see and not like, you know, villain of the week or clone of the week or squad of the week and heroes and everything like the first three seasons turned out to be. Yeah. And it was, that was what drew me in and really got me uh, focused on watching the Clone Wars other than like, yeah, you know, it's another, it's a good show. It's more Star Wars woo kind of thing. But what excites me uh, slightly about resistance is the fact that well we've had we've had our rebels tv show where like yes whenever they were on the ground the whole team was doing their own kind of thing but when they were in the ghost it was like that's the sole ship and that's the ship we're focusing on and i know dan and myself and then noma you eventually with battlefront 2 like our favorite modes were always in a starfighter we're always in space piloting something so it's this like to have a series that looks like it's going to be focused like not solely but heavily on pilots and their kind of lifestyle and what they have to look to and like we all know the life expectancy of like a pilot in any sort of uh battle anything is like extremely low Mm -hmm. so to see how they get through that like mission by mission or just how they go about their day-to-day is going to be extremely probably different from what we've seen from in the clone wars and what we've seen in rebels so it'll definitely have its own spin to it but it it interests me did you guys so say that forward to this one. did you guys say that you watched the second trailer the meet the fire team fireball one that's the one i gotta watch yeah I still have to watch that one. all right let's turn that one on now and see uh what we think of it cool sure team fireball they're our core star wars group they're not caught up in the bigger things going on in the galaxy. I want it to have a sense of childlike fun and adventure. And what unifies this team is that they need each other. They need to try and win races to survive and make money. And our hero, Kaz, is still coming into his own and he's a very, very good pilot, but he's still a bit fish out of water when it comes to living in a place like the Colossus. Nice job, BB-8. All right, this is what I want you to do. I'm Christopher Sean, and I play Kazuta Ziono on Star Wars Resistance. Kaz's job, given to him by Poe, is to spy in the First Order. He's good at flying, but he's not really good at spying. He's a bit clumsy, gets into trouble here and there, but Kaz is definitely a guy who has a lot of heart and wants to make a difference. In times like this, I think it's best to keep Kaz occupied. I am Scott Lawrence. I play Jarek Yeager. Yeager kind of represents the old school. Yeager was a pilot for the Rebellion. Now he's just trying to live his life as mainly a mechanic on this installation in the middle of nowhere. And he unfortunately keeps getting pulled back into the action. Yeager, he's the father figure of Team Fireball. And Kaz causes a lot of trouble and a lot of grief for Yeager. Get ready to be impressed. You ready to be impressed, Tam? I'm completely ready. (laughs) 
Hi, I'm Susie McGraw and I play Tam Rivora on Star Wars Resistance. Tam is a mechanic who works with Yeager. She was a racer back in the day and lost her ship. This guy better be paying for this rush job, Yeager. She's tough, no nonsense. She kind of has attitude. She also has a lot of heart and passion. She wants to have a purpose in life. She's incredibly brave. She cares about people, but she likes to keep her emotions kind of to herself. Kaz, this is Niku. It is so nice to meet you. Niku is a bit of an oddball. You know, I am starting to like having adventures. I find that it raises my heart rate, which is good for my circulatory system. Hi, I am Josh Brunner, and I play Niku on Star Wars Resistance. He's a genius. He's very naive, but he's got a huge heart. He is this unbelievably positive, happy Nikto character. No matter what kind of day you're having, Niku is having a great day. I once had a pet named Lucky that reminded me of home, and then it died, and then I ate it. We made the show for a younger audience. I think they'll love the relationships between the characters and all the lightheartedness. It's unique in tone, unique in look. It's a completely different package. It's very action-packed and vibrant, colorful, and you have you know, lots of different pilots and ships and the different settings. I wish I had a show like this when I was growing up. I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely looking forward to this series. It's got that, I haven't seen the series yet, but Voltron? It's got that look and feel to it. I've seen uh, my girlfriend watches it from time to time, and it, it has that vibe to it, like that palette, the art palette to it, and everything. Yeah, it's all the the kind of. It's interesting. They're they're vibrant colors, but they're also kind of muted. Right. So they almost pop, blown but out. They don't pop too much, which is really interesting. They're kind of blown out. Right. Exactly. But yeah, no, I'm interested. There's uh, some characters that we had introduced in that trailer was Kaz, Tam. Nitu and Yeager, as well as Podamron, BB-8, and Leia, it looks like. So, mm-hmm. now there was a and character... Whatever weird hybrid... Sorry, uh, whatever whatever weird hybrid BB astromech droid they have. Yeah, it's, it looks yeah, interesting. Yeah, we're in the helmet. Yeah, look, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to like that droid. I'm, I'm a big fan of droids, so I think that one's going to be a little bit quirky, and I, I love quirky droids. Mm-hmm. Now there, well, there we've, is... gone, we've gone from kind of crass and R2... To a psychopath and chopper, so I wonder what, uh, what right. kind of personality this guy's gonna have. Now there is a character in there that is in the first order, it looks like, and he's wearing a red pilot outfit, like a red stormtrooper esque yeah. pilot outfit. Now in the Phasma novel, there was a character called Cardinal. I don't know if that's him because Cardinal, he looks kind of like Phasma, but he's wearing full red armor. So I'm not sure if that is him, but he's the guy that trains all of the pilots and cadets and stuff in uh the first order so that'd be interesting if he comes back in star wars resistance because i don't know i I enjoyed his character in the book but i i will just start laughing if he shows up in this series and ends up being more competent and important than phasma that would be funny like actually stopping things from happening oh my god as much as i want to love phasma they just keep ruining her oh she's apparently going to be in it too actually phasma is going to be in it maybe this will redeem her then because i need her to do something yeah i need her to not be this trilogy's boba fett we could it's possible we might see the um point to which phasma joins the first order which would be interesting interesting yeah that's true because um it looks like kaz is going to be a resistance spy um, on the orders of Podamron, and I'm assuming Leia. 
So it's going to be interesting. And it looks like they're going to be having races and stuff. So he's undercover in, in hopefully most of the episodes. Yeah, but, oh, speaking of, of the show, I really messed up that one fighter I was talking about from X-Wing. Oh, yeah? I To the point where I don't even remember what I was calling it before. But I looked it up. And the fighter I was talking about before that was originally only an X-Wing is actually the M12L Kimogila fighter. Okay. And that's what he's driving? That's what the uh, the female character. I don't. Uh, we Tam? didn't see her name, but no, the the girl character who looks kind of Asian and she's in all kind of like sky blue. Okay. That's the the ship that she's gonna fly. Nice. And it looks like a heavily modified version of a Kimogila. Oh, there so was, was a, there was a ship in there that was like a Y wing with like side panels on the jets on the back. It looked really cool. Did you guys Kinda, catch that? Yeah, uh, I saw that one. I might be thinking of the wrong thing, but if you go to the first trailer, the ship that. The Kimogila's in that one. It uh, it looks pretty neat. It, it looks like a weird kind of hybrid between like a Snowspeeder, a Y-Wing, and an X-Wing. Nice. Or a Z95 kind of, yeah. Awesome. Do you guys so have I'm any next. other things you want to talk about about the episode of uh, Resistance? Nope. Uh, um, I think... Uh, no, the whole reserving judgment thing. Mm-hmm. Like Definitely, at this point, yeah. I'm just really waiting to see what it can offer. Well, it does, uh, just a final point here for Resistance, it does release on October 7th on the Disney Channel. So if you have that, make sure to tune in and see if uh, it's a show that you're uh, hopefully enjoying or maybe give it a chance. Mm-hmm. All right, and so from here, we're going to be jumping into video games. And there's really only one to talk about. But uh... All right, video games. We've got really very heavily debated topic. <laughs> Battlefront 2. Yeah, leave pause there just for your hisses or cheers, however, whichever side of the spectrum you fall on that one. Two but people we've... in this, two people here like that game a lot, and one person here thinks that it's a video game. No, I don't. Going to say about it, <laughs> I don't know if I like the game a lot. There are game modes that I enjoy in it. Like I don't mind. The, like I like the story in it, and I love Fighter Squadron. Those are the two things about that game that make it amazing for me. Just because you can play with your friends online and form like a squadron and actually, you know, make a difference in a fight. I don't know. I know Ed and I, we, when we play, we pretty much decimate as a squad, like as a duo squadron. So I don't know. It's, it's really fun. I enjoy it. It's pretty much the only mode I exclusively play. Really, <laughs> um, It just, I liked it because it gave me that uh, feel of a pilot again. Which is something huge, like which again, which is why in the previous segment I was looking exactly. forward to, I was interested in resistance, but that was that was going to be the thing for me. Like as soon as I knew it was coming out, I was like, all right, but how's the space flight and how how do we go about that and how how's that going to play? And the changes they did make to it were really, I was I felt like they were quality of life changes for the most part, but they added a lot more, and it was nice to see. And coming up very soon, as of uh, today, the the 29th of august there was just a download for an update it looked like it was going to be something to do with the upcoming clone war season from sounds of it we're going to be able to start because it's me clone war of the clones and the clone we're going to start being able to customize our clones which is a really welcome change because so far it's either been your trooper and if you're just an assault trooper you're in your plane uh you're playing rookie white but from there it was like if you were heavy, you had different color patterns and so on and so forth. But if we can just customize them from the start, I can only imagine, especially with the clones and how they all had their unique identity 
with what they would put on their helmets or their shoulder pads or whatever it was. We'll be able to get to do that too. And that might take me into a lot more ground combat, especially because the the Clone Wars uh, era was really one of the ones that I depreciated the most in terms of combat and just how much the clones had to go up against while questioning what was going on with them and falling into a little bit of the EU. Like That was what the Karen Travis books really got me for the clones where I, read, I burned through all of them because it was the Clone Wars and was covering their changes and everything we saw in the in the TV series for the Clone Wars with you know some of the few clones questioning themselves or trying to figure things out. And just seeing the world from their perspective is really cool. So to be able to like almost mimic that in a way, I can only imagine the amount of fan like if if players get together and make like a series of the game themselves, just kind of like Red and Blue started, or Red versus Blue, sorry, like that may be interesting to see too. If this is going to be like a permanent update, which I hope it would be, I really do hope they add a decent amount to the Star Wars Battlefront series. Um, I'm not much of an online player, like I said, I only play the the Fighter Squadron mode really. Um, I don't think I've gotten any of the trophies for like playing a single match of any other game mode except for Fighter Squadron. And that's dedication. <laughs> but I'm excited to see the fan base enjoy uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, I know there's, like you said, a division on in the fan base of that. And I, I've been on the Reddit for Star Wars Battlefront, and they are like up in arms with like if they don't release news like a, for a week. But it's like, oh my god, oh my god, what's going on? Oh my god, the game's dead. And then they release, like, Clone Wars season, and then everyone's like, oh, this looks cool, but it's going to take too long. <laughs> and I'm like, well, developing a game is not an overnight kind of job, you know? And that might be an unpopular opinion, but, I mean, I don't know how to develop, develop any games, and I don't know how much manpower is being... Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a whole hole you can fall into in there, because while I, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment, I think it very much depends on the company. Right. Yep. EA is not uh, the most reputable company in making video games, even though it is a big name. Yes, and that's, that's going to be a much more thing. polite way of saying what I was going to say. Yeah, because <laughs> the the first thing is that it's it's already Star Wars, and the fact that they've named it Battlefront Two is important because this everybody holds it not just to a high regard because of Star Wars, but even more so because we've had a Battlefront Two, mm-hmm. and what we got from it was something outstanding that changed a lot of uh, video games to come up. Like, if you remember games like Halo Reach, uh, whenever you were able to get in a ship and fly around in that one, I bet your first thought wasn't like, oh, cool, I'm in the ship. It was like, oh, man, this reminds me of Battlefront 2. I wonder if it's going to be like that. And you tried to fly around for a bit, and just, you tried to, like, mimic, you, okay, I'm in an X-Wing now, ha, 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 let's go. Um, and future games that kept adding flight to it and everything was like, okay, you know, great, but comparison always, Battlefront 2. And so when this one came through, there was a lot that was expected of it that they just really dropped the ball for, which, you know, do we do we call out EA on that one? Do we call out DICE on that one? Because DICE was good enough to be like, you know what, everything's going to be free that we're going to come up with in terms of content. Like this Clone Wars season that's coming up, like that's something we only had to buy the game for, which was much appreciated after last year or the last issue of uh, the new Star Wars Battlefront series. But that being said, they still haven't added Galactic Conquest, and I am still... Oh, my gosh. Still, see, They're not going to add it. No, but not, there you go. Not in no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to hope for this one. I'm going to hold on to hope for this one. Because that was a mode where... That was my like, favorite mode. Ex- right? Because playing exclusively Fighter Squadron in this one, 
And like like you said, like you're much you more of a P, of of PVE player. Like I feel that sentiment as well. And when you had Galactic Conquest in the original Battlefront Two, it was like you had your ground battles. You had like certain tactics up where you're like, okay, do I want to devote more forces to this planet? Do I want to put a hero down on this planet? Do I want to, like do should I take uh, Alderaan? Is it necessary for me right now? Or do I go to this planet instead? Or do I fight this space battle instead to stop this fleet from blockading this planet or exactly. invading this? It's more involved. Than and, just and I don't know about you guys, yeah. but I, I was lucky enough to be able to play Battlefront two a couple times uh, over land. Or actually, I don't yeah, think I was I, able I'm to do sure that. It was land with uh, with a couple of friends, and there was nothing more exhilarating for me than managing to grab an, an uh, a laddie transport fly it all the way into our our enemy friend's separatist cruiser, land that, and start, like, a full Destroying. coordinated boarding effort for yeah. before yeah. boarding. Oh, man. That'd be so, those were so, some of my favorite, like, the best moments I've ever gotten out of that game. Nice. Right? Just, and I feel like this, like, this game mode alone, especially if you play it, like, if you had a dedicated online player base that would go for it, or just, you know, with your friends, like, how you did in the original this is something that would not maybe change a lot of opinions, but definitely push some people to look past everything, to look at this game mode and be like, okay, well, this is something huge. This is something I can really get into and appreciate something out of this entire production. Right. For lack of a nicer word. I think they're not encapsulating what the old Battlefront meant to the fans, and that's why fans mm-hmm. are upset. Exactly. Yeah, you true. had something that you need to honor to a certain extent. You can't just throw it away like it never existed. It did, and you need to acknowledge that. And then once you have from there, you have to like look your game or your or yourself in the mirror and be like, "All right, did I really deliver on this, or you know, is it just simply another cash grab because Star Wars right now?" Exactly, and and that's also what I was going to uh, point out is that jumping back a little bit, because what you were saying, all this stuff's coming out for free and it's all really neat. What I think that i wouldn't necessarily say that that's not a not a hit against dice more a hit against ea mm-hmm. that's necessary because if you remember like well i'm sure everyone remembers that whole fiasco they went through battlefront doing all that stuff with the loot boxes and how much you need yeah to pay. yeah and they now said hey guys want to pay for clone troopers i think they'd be immolated like just yeah exactly that would the, be the last building a few piece to the ground <laughs> All right, you guys want to move on to the next game? The only other game that we have information on? And by information, I mean no information? No information, really. But, I mean, the name alone just sounds so interesting. Uh, That is something we can expect, hopefully, also in 2018. But, I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath on this one if they're just doing updates for Battlefront 2 right now. But Star Wars Fallen Order. And then you want to go into that one for a little bit? All we know is it's a game about possibly a jedi and it's an rpg <laughs> taking place between episodes three and four all and they like, teased so, was the name yeah like if i remember if you remember watching a couple uh, not this e3 but the last one that came through uh we saw like a, a picture of tatooine and somebody standing right right in the middle of it looked like uh most likely most likely it could be anchorhead well, so i hate to burst your bubble on yeah that one. oh no i'm sorry yeah that oh no 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 no! Visceral, sh- visceral was shut down, so that game does not yeah. exist anymore. That was EA's that fault. Was, that was the visceral game that EA was making, and then decided to kill because first-person game or sorry, single-player games don't make money. And then God of War, as came they out. put it. 
because, you know, God of War wasn't a popular game that came out this year or anything, right? Nobody's freaking out about Cyberpunk's 2077. But there is this game, so... This is Fable Legends all over again? Pretty much. I mean, as much as I want to be excited for this game, it's EA, and it's a single-player RPG, so until I see it out on a shelf, I'm just going to assume it's going to be killed. That's honestly the that's the most excitement I can have for an EA property at this point. The last thing we need is another thirteen thirteen fiasco. Yeah, I was gonna say they they've been playing with me too much with that first thirteen thirteen and now that. So just I don't know what visceral game at this point like that. Yeah, like it was gonna be by the Dead Space guys, and then they killed it because reasons. Well, on a more positive note, did you guys have any news about miniatures? Dan, did you hear the uh, Gen Con news? No. Uh, oh, give me a second. Uh, I'm going to assume, because I saw it on Twitter, it was Fantasy Flight Games announcing the Super Star Destroyer Armada. Yes, for Armada, which is insanity. It's way too big. Wait till they release Snoke's <laughs> ship. That is yeah. so much I'm bigger. the galaxy when it travels. There's no way. The amount of manpower you need no for that way. is ridiculous. You need a small planet to power that thing. For the Death Star, you needed a small planet. But yeah, no, is, is that all they announced? a gigantic announced? laser. Uh, no, they had X-Wing stuff as well. Oh, what did they announce? Uh, so the X-Wing stuff, the, the boring stuff is um, they're releasing the RZA A-Wing fighter, uh, yeah. which is the, the one that's used in Rebels. Yeah. Um, and then they're also releasing the Mining Guild TIE Fighters for Scum. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so that'll be pretty neat. Um, but the cool part is that they also uh, announced that in quarter two, I think it was quarter two or three, or even quarter four for next year, um, X Men is going to get two new factions. What? Yeah, uh, they are getting the Republic and the CIS. Ooh, yeah. eh? clones. Yeah, so that that is going to be really be cool. Nice. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, no kidding. It's all going to be Wave 2 stuff is um, the only downside, I guess, if you were a Wave 1 Puritan, then, you know, you're not going to be able to use it because none of the cards are going to actually have points costs on them. I see. But yeah, it, it it's pretty exciting. It's it's basically like one of the things I've been waiting for for a long time because I really want to play Republic. Like clone stuff? Yeah, yeah. Get some arcs that I can actually use instead of Rebel arcs. Yeah. Arc arcs 170s? Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Man, V Wings are no joke. I love that ship. I hate V Wings. Oh, I know, right? Oh, I hate V Wings with a passion. <laughs> are you kidding but, me? Yeah, dude. <laughs> in in Battlefront Two, they suck. Uh, okay, maybe A Wings are so much better because that's I'm the better viewing pilot than you are. No, no, the... no, no. X Wings and I, I'd say A Wings are way better than V Wings. A Wings maneuver- are good. Better maneuverability. They have missiles for one. Yeah, so you get overburst with the V wing. Yeah, but I mean, melt yeah, somebody. Have have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> have fun trying to melt somebody when I blow your. But you can't because I'm constantly moving because I'm a V wing. Yeah, but I'm an A wing, so I can hold right on to you. Yeah, but then the missiles won't be able to walk. <laughs> what are you stealth? I'm well I'm trying to be devil's advocate. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, are you uh, are you good to round out the podcast? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, man, I think we've gotten most of what we wanted to say out of the way. Awesome.
so to wrap off the podcast, I think it's time for some uh, shameless self promotions. Uh, I think so. The big question right now, however, is do we actually have any promotions? I'm not too sure about myself right now. Uh, like we said earlier in the beginning, I do art and stuff like that, but I, I haven't really put anything up lately, so I might eventually get a DeviantArt or Instagram, something like that. If I do, I'll let you guys know. If you find me entertaining and want to kind of see the stuff I do. Ed, was there anything that you wanted to prom- self-promote? Honestly, the best place to find me is right here. You've got questions, I've got answers. But this is home, and this is where I'll be. Definitely yeah, come sounds... talk to me. Alright, sounds good. And uh, Dan, I know you, you're uh, a little more internet savvy than us, so... Anything you want to promote? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have uh, a Twitter account. It's at Daniel J. Venard, spelled V-E-N-N-A-R-D, as well as a... uh, I do stream on Twitch from time to time, playing some games. I think the most recent thing I was playing was the new God of War on the PlayStation 4. And uh, you can find me on Twitch at Ichiban Kenshin. And that's also... I have a Twitter account for that as well, if you guys are interested in that. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I tweet some things on the uh, Daniel J. Venard account about Star Wars, some anime stuff, One Piece, that kind of thing. Um, but apart from that, yeah, you can find me on the podcast, and uh, I look forward to hearing uh, from all you guys. Awesome. Yeah, and if you guys want to get in contact with us, ask us any questions or you know, give us ideas for things you want to hear about in the future... Uh, we do have an email, which is voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. One more time, that's voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. We've also got a Twitter, which is at voiceforcepod. And uh, right now we don't have a Facebook page, but if you guys want to communicate with us over that, or if you're interested in, in hearing us over Facebook or anything like that, give us a shout, and uh, you know we'll do our best to get a Facebook page up and running. Next podcast, we're planning to do... A little bit of a deep dive into uh, a character that we're all a big fan of, Darth Maul. So if you're curious about Darth Maul, kind of don't have the time to look into every every piece of literature or media that he's in, then uh, stay tuned for the next episode. And we'll be going through as much stuff on him as we could find. So hope you guys enjoy that. I'm excited for that one, too. All right, guys. Thank you very much. This has been the Voice of the Force podcast. Ed, Noma, and myself. We'll uh, come back at you guys next time with that Darth Maul episode. And please remember that all copyrights are held by their respective copyright holders. So this is a nice, oh, pretty nice wrap up to the rear, the, to the, wow, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> nice. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not a I joke, have thing. no idea. I don't know where you're going with that word. <laughs> Thanks, George. <laughs> I'm glad we're not doing video oh, right wow. now. Right? You're going to see my face and be like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to start that in five, four, just from the, uh, a wrap up good wrap up to the year yeah to the rear yep <laughs> that's going to be a great bumper <laughs> <laughs>